You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 240 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stemmings and he's not here again this week because he's still caravanning. And uh, I've given Matt obviously another week off. Me and Nev have very kindly given that Matt a second week off. For, but he is here to join us. So uh, welcome onto the show, Matt Smith. <laughs> you are so cheeky. You're in so much trouble when I get home. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Smith? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. It's we've had, we've actually had. You almost can't believe the kind of week that we've actually had here. Bearing in mind it's autumn and the weather has been here in West Runton. So I was just explaining to Armando earlier uh, that West Runton basically is equidistant between the lovely town of Sheringham and the wonderful town of Cromer, so sort of sort of smack bang in the middle there, basically. And it is uh, we have had the most amazing week. It's been sunshine wall to wall, with the exception of today, where it sort of it was a dramatic change um it's been windy and rainy all day so much so i had to rip down my awning otherwise because it was basically moving the caravan the wind was so strong so it's just uh, yeah so other than today uh, the weather has been incredible it's been like being on on you know holiday? on holiday somewhere posh <laughs> well, i'm glad you're having a nice time matt it's uh, we are fun. yes yes me, me mother and alfie are having a splendid time thank Good. you and joining us from his stately mansion in the Buckinghamshire, <laughs> it is the king of AV and tech. It's Senel Bones. Yes, hello. <coughs> Excuse me. Hello, everybody. Oh, frog in the throat there. It's been uh, a week of tech and AV in the studio here. I can tell you, it's uh, my computer's been very hot uh, with uh, doing stuff. But uh, yeah, more of that later on. But no, it's been been very good indeed. Had a great meet up on uh, Monday with our aviation chums at Heathrow, so that was great. Uh, lots of other stuff going on in the background, which we'll tell you about later on. But yeah, oh. it's been uh, a very full on week. I can tell you. Excellent. And you had, I'll take it you had a really good time on uh, Monday. I did see a few updates. Uh, it seemed like you had some fun. Yeah, and, and the weather was fantastic. It was a bit, a bit chilly at times, but it was one of those perfect autumn days, you know, really bright sunshine and, uh, yeah, really, really nice. So uh, uh, we enjoyed ourselves considerably. So we have got someone else joining us live in the studio with me tonight. I'm not on my own this week. It's quite nice, actually, not to be on my own. Well, apart from the cat, because I did have Mima with me last week at some point in the show. But uh, joining us uh, back again in the studio for his, uh, um, well, God, it must be four or five times now, I think. Yeah, I've lost count. Yeah. It's Armando. Hi, everybody. I, uh, I'm actually just here to fetch you your beverages during the show. Yeah. Uh, and for all our friends in America, caravanning is camping, since caravans are in the news right now. And I wish hey, I was no, off. No, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This is not. If, you, if you're going to put the label of camping, that's just like camping re- implies that I'm under canvas. I can assure you, I'm not under canvas. Ah, see, we have we have camper camping, camping or RV camping. Anyways, I wish I, I was see, off yes, camping yeah, okay. with you, Matt. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now look. Don't start that. Uh, it's, it's, honestly, I don't like this not being in the studio thing. I, I, I don't like it. It's horrible. Not having control. I don't like it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, no so I've, the caravan that I've got is one that you hook up onto the back of the car, essentially, and um, and, and you can take it places. Yeah, uh, nice. But uh, I don't do camping. I, I, I don't have the figure for camping. Well, you will be camping at Oshkosh when we get you guys over there at some point, because that's half the fun of Oshkosh is camping. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, so, so how how are things uh, with you, Armando? What's uh, been going on in the world of Armando? Yeah, well, real good. Uh, actually, uh, when I'm not working or flying, I 
actually am a motorcycle instructor. So today was a motorcycle instruction kind of day. And uh, like Matt said, it in East Anglia, it's kind of cold and blustery and windy. So that uh, made for an interesting out there. But uh, other than that, took a nice flight, took the PA-28 up last weekend with some friends and uh, got to see some of the best sites of East Anglia. Went up to Sandringham and Castle Rising and uh, Holcomb, Holcomb Hall, Holcomb I think it's called. Yeah. 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 Uh, landed for uh, lunch in Peterborough, Cunnington. Nice little restaurant there with some good GA airplanes, and then took a nice scenic roundabout uh, way back to Ruffham, Barry St. Edmunds, through Essex and uh, Sus- uh, Suffolk. So, so hang on a minute, Armando. Is there is, is there anything you can't fly or drive then? Uh, <laughs> it's just like... Uh, boats. I don't like boats. So right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Avoiding the water. Fair enough. I, I, okay. Here's here's how much I don't like boats. Is I have a New Mexico boating license. There you go. So <laughs> right. <laughs> that is not a joke. That's, I actually uh, do have a New Mexico uh, boating license. There's that's not, very random. Not, um, not a lot of water. <laughs> Landlocked New Mexico is. <laughs> so can can you can you drive like larger vehicles and stuff, or have we avoided those? Nah, I used to drive a forty-five foot uh, RV. Actually, real uh, an, an RV, RV, which I still considered camping. I, I lived in uh, in New Mexico, and I actually lived in a forty-five foot bus for three years. Kind of a big oh. with four slideouts and stuff. So, so jealous. Yeah, but so jealous. Roads are much easier to drive on. Than True. Over yeah, there, so. you, you'd struggle to get one round these roads here. I can assure you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't envy you. Actually, <laughs> impressive. Wow, goodness me! Is there no end to your talents, sir? Uh, boating. That's oh, where it ends. Okay. It ends yeah, at the you shoreline. You have a boating license. Yeah, it ends at the shoreline is actually where <laughs> the oh, Honestly. Dear so me. we are going to welcome then uh, onto the uh, live chat room feed this evening. We've got loads of people in there, all the usual family members. Uh, we've got uh, Liz Piper, Auntie Liz. Hello to you, Auntie Liz. Uh, Mariana's in the chat room. We've got uh, Chris Griggs is in the chat room. Uh, we're scrolling down here. We've got Tanya is in the chat room. Oh, Rick actually, Bell's Tan- in Tanya made a funny comment. Actually, uh, yeah, Rick Bell, Philip Davis is also in the chat room. Uh, yeah, Rick Bell. Hello, Rick. Hello, Rick. And uh, Phil- yeah, Philip Davis. I think I've not missed anyone. I'm just scrolling back up to right to the top of the list. I don't think I missed anyone. Out. Hopefully not. But still, welcome to you all, and thanks for joining us. Oh, Neil Lamwon. Good evening, Neil. Neil's just joined us. I think Neil was at um, your meetup, wasn't he, on Monday? He uh, was, yes. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Very nice to see him. So welcome to you as well. And obviously Neville is in there with his blue spanner of uh, doom to keep an eye on everything. But uh, I was just reading, uh, I was just trying to read, go back and read one of the, uh, t- here we go. Tanya said uh, in the chat room, Matt, that uh, that uh, she'll only go camping if there's a flush toilet. Excuse me, I have a flush toilet in my caravan. I also have a shower in my caravan, I'll have you know. <laughs> he, do, he does, Tanya, believe me. He's, uh, there's no way that you could ever call the caravan that Matt's got uh, a kind of, nope. a sort of nope. downgrade. It's more of a posh camping. I think would be the word. I have to say, in my defence, it makes it sound like I've got the most... It's a very old caravan. It was actually made in 1994, believe it or not. Um, but uh, So we bought an old one, but we did it up, basically. So we put a nice laminate floor in and, and put one of these Thetford toilet things in. And, you know, so it's all... Uh, you know, it's it is all good. Oh, excellent! Tanya says that my uh, caravan passes the test. This is fabulous <laughs> news. <laughs> uh, uh, is it Periwinkle? Honestly, Rick Bell, behave. 
Honestly, Honestly. periwinkle blue. <laughs> what? What even is that? Oh, right. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, oh, you want to do some aviation? We, we, we oh, better okay. do some show. You preferred it that, when yeah. you couldn't talk to me properly last week, didn't you? Let's be honest, Carlos. It was a lot less hassle. Uh, yeah. I know. So <laughs> we are going to start the show as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news. Shall I keep interrupting world. him, everyone? That, that would be uh, yeah. Do you wait till you're back in here next week? <laughs> Anyway, we're going to start the news like we do each week with our rundown of the bloody weekly news from around the world and bloody <laughs> blah, blah, bloody blah, blah, blah. So if you're ready, Armando, if you're ready. I am ready to go. Uh, are you ready, Nev? Yes, I am. Yeah. Dare I ask, are you ready, Matt? Oh, I was born ready. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, and uh, this one is on the eveningstandard.co.uk, and uh, looks like someone else is having issues, uh, Nev, apart from BA, because mm. uh, Cathay Pacific um, uh, have had a slight issue with their IT department. Uh, Ten million airline passengers have had their passport and card details stolen in a major breach. So almost 10 million Cathay Pacific Airline customers have had their personal data stolen as the company warned it suffered a major data breach. Passport details, credit card numbers are among pieces of information believed to have been stolen in the hack the airline said in a statement. A total of about 9.4 million customers have been affected Blimey. With 860,000 passport numbers and 245,000 Hong Kong identity card numbers being uh, accessed. Uh, some 403 expired credit card numbers and 27 credit card numbers with no card verification value were accessed in the breach, uh, the Hong Kong firm has uh, said. The airline's chief executive, Rupert Hogg, apologised to customers, oh, that's nice of him, and said an investigation to the breach had been launched after the news of the hack emerged on Wednesday this week. He said in a statement that he's very sorry for the concern this data security event has uh, may have caused our passengers. We acted immediately to contain the event, uh, commence a thorough investigation with assistance of the leading cyber security firm and to further strengthen our IT security measures. Mr Hogg did say that no passwords were compromised in the breach and the company was contacted, uh, contacting affected persons uh, to give them information on how to protect themselves. Oh dear. It's a bit uh, naughty. Matt, should they have had malware installed? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't listening. I was too busy chatting in the chat room. <laughs> oh, okay. do, you, do you think they're going to contact all 9.4 million people? Oh, absolutely. Every single last one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't understand how big companies who essentially should know what they're doing um, can make such a, a sort of almost basic error, really, here. I mean, I can only assume... Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody gets hacked, I guess. it's uh, <laughs> You have to make sure you've just got play, you know, procedures in place, if you like, to deal with uh, these these things, you know, and, and sort of get them kicked out as quickly as, as humanly possible. But uh, I, I must admit it does seem very worrying that we're having a spate of these. Do you know what I mean? Because this isn't the first. I mean, all right, it's... I, you know, I mean, BA have had IT problems, but to be fair, that was that was more sort of data center problems as opposed to to being hacked, etc. But um, it's uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because there's been a lot, not, not aviation related, but we've had several large companies, haven't we, Nev, I think, where people have, um, uh, you know, had their, their systems hacked. Mm, yes, and of course, uh, this comes in the week where BA have just announced some more uh, hacks that have been going on, and Indeed. I received another uh, BA Amex uh, notification today that tells me not to worry, so I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> in my experience, when a company tells you not to worry, the first thing you should do is worry like heck. <laughs> actually, I wonder whether it was from BA. That's a good point, actually. Isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, did you see that one? I think there was one that's been doing the rounds on Twitter, hasn't there, where it was like one of these NatWest Bank, or it was either NatWest Bank or someone like that. was, And there's this thing saying, oh, that your uh, the security of your online banking has been compromised. Please click on this secure link. Mm, right. Oh, yeah. All it said, HTTP colon forward slash forward slash and then oh. a bit dot lie blah 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 so it really didn't even have any vague resemblance it's it just like really your first clue there was it said http colon forward slash forward I, slash I, no i had no. the ones from paypal this week matt you know the Did ones you? they really? asked me to update my uh, payment details for paypal and it had, right. had a really convincing email address at the um, the email right. Account. Okay, and obviously you sat down and did it immediately because you're oh a yeah yeah I was I was straight <laughs> on it yeah I clicked on every link they supplied and, uh, absolutely yeah. but it, but I must is... say although if you think about the uh, I know this is obviously not a good thing but if yeah. you think about the number of transactions that go on every day. Um, I'm surprised that there aren't more of these uh, data breaches and, and data losses. And as bad as it is, and I know it's a real pain, but we, we just we just take it for granted, don't we? Whether we're shopping with Amazon, whether we're booking, you know, a flight. And of course, don't forget, you know, with it, but when we're booking flights, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where you had to go down the road to your travel agent to book a flight because you couldn't do it online, you couldn't do it directly with the airlines or, or with the website. So inevitably, the uh, the fraudsters uh, you know always uh, one or two steps ahead of everybody else so um, this I is mean, going to happen and it's going to continue confusing me here a bit nev though is i mean most sites use at least 128 bit encryption uh, a lot of them nowadays are using 256 bit encryption uh, I, I mean uh, it, I don't know whether it's because obviously these sites have to be remote, remotely accessed from from outside sources, etc. As to why, but I'm just amazed there seems to be so many of these various back doors, as they call them, open to for you know for um, well. Of course, abused. what we're dealing with here, I presume, is big data centers uh, yeah. all over the world. It, it's not necessarily, you know, in, in Cathay's building in Hong Kong or, or wherever they are. Uh, these are data centers scattered all over the world. And very often uh, things are subcontracted to third party right. people. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure that they're, you know, reputable uh, boys and girls and all the rest of it but there's always uh, a possibility that there's some uh, either inside stuff going on or there's you know external um, hacks going on so i think we should expect more of this to be honest with you Indeed. Uh, Chris Griggs actually in the chat room was saying, was the email from BA's Nigerian subsidiary, of course. Uh, <laughs> that's one option, uh, which is always nice. Uh, there's also an alarming amount of chat going on about my beard currently. Yeah, so I did. Oh, yes. that, yeah. 
Yeah. Thank I wanted to try because I can't normally grow one when I'm when I'm when I've got the day when I'm doing the day job you see because normally it's not allowed. Um but uh, uh the only yeah, thing I'll slightly worry is, is is when you get back home we, we won't know where your beard ends and where the cat starts. <laughs> you know, so. uh, family show. Anyway, please. moving swiftly on. Um Matt, while you're there, Matt, the next yes, story, uh, obviously <laughs> Ryanair have had a couple of big stories in the news this week. They and, have, uh, yes. One of which we've chosen not to uh, to cover, basically because it's been massively overdone yeah. by the by the media. Um, there is a statement also that's been released by Ryanair, which I think that was that was released today, wasn't it, yeah. Carlos? Yeah, it was. It's on, it's on Sky yeah. News. Yeah, indeed. So, but yeah, obviously we all know about the the race the racist rant thing that basically we've done that. If you don't know about it, then obviously Google it. You'll find all the details you need. They're on all the it's in all the trashy uh, things. But it's an awful story. So we decided basically we made the decision not to cover it. So we'll but move on to another one. This one slightly more worrying, and, yes. and I do believe I'm going to mention the word Brexit here, so apologies oh. in advance for that. Uh, this is on the Irish Examiner, and the headline is Ryanair has warned of further base closures and capacity cuts in the coming months if oil prices continue to rise and airfares continue to fall. Uh, so it's not involving Brexit. That's a surprise. That'll teach me for not reading ahead, won't it? Uh, the airline yesterday followed up its full year profit warning. Uh, from earlier this month by reporting a 7% year-on-year fall in the first half post-tax profit to 1.2 billion euros for the six months to the end of September. Revenues rose 8% on the same period last year to 4.79 billion euros. Uh, These were heavily driven by ancillary revenues, which were up by 27% at 1.3 billion euros. However, revenue growth has has been eaten into by higher fuel staff and passenger costs. As expected, Ryanair's average airfares fell by 3% in the first half to under €46 and a near 2% fall is expected in the second half. The airline said that fares remain soft this winter due to excess capacity in Europe. Despite the figures, Ryanair's shares rose over 4% yesterday, aided by the company reiterating confidence in to a long-running series of major disputes which have caused flight disruptions and investor unease which has led to a near 30% drop in its share value in the past year. We cannot rule out further base closures or capacity cuts this winter if oil prices rise or airfares fall further, said Ryanair. It recently closed its bases in Eindhoven and Bremen. It also said that the winter trading could be positively impacted by the rate and timing of other airline failures. Oh, that's, uh, I suppose that's inevitable, I guess. But uh, Ryanair's passenger numbers rose in the first part, half to 76.6 million passengers. But Chief Executive Michael O'Leary said traffic was repeatedly impacted by the worst summer of air traffic control disruptions on record. Ryanair said that it has made good progress in pilot and cabin crew union negotiations in Ireland, Italy, the UK, Germany and Portugal, and is hopeful of concluding others this side of Christmas. Whilst we hope to finalise more union agreements in the coming months we cannot rule out occasional industrial action but we expect their impact to be very limited Ryanair earlier this month significantly cut its full year profit guidance to between 1.1 billion and 1.2 billion which could be down from 1.5 billion uh, for its last full financial year it also said at the time the further strike action may require full year guidance to be lowered further Ryanair also said that it 
uh, will resist making further share buybacks uh, pending the outcome of Brexit. There we are. I knew it would appear at some point. We view this as a modesty positive update, but refrain from getting uh, bullish on Ryanair just yet, said Merian analyst uh, Darren McKinley. So, I mean, actually, I mean, it, you know, they, they are still making a, a profit of 1.2 billion euros, but I suppose actually uh, that profit of 1.2 billion euros doesn't really buy that many new planes, does it? I mean, it sounds like a really big figure. Um, but uh, I, I, perhaps they are right to be a bit cautious. I mean, you know, they are going through an awful, you know, I know a lot of it is self-inflicted, isn't it? But they are going through an awful lot of sort of big changes, if you like, whether, uh, I mean, I suppose many argue, uh, airlines would argue that perhaps they're levelling the playing field a bit in regard to, you know, workers' rights and, and things like that. So uh, it, it's, uh, it's certainly one to watch, I think. But they still have the ability, though, to do these mass sales. They've got a sale at the moment where they're nine ninety nine fair sales. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, good luck with trying to find one because I had a look um, this morning <laughs> while I was at work and uh, I couldn't find one. I tried right. every airport. Okay. I couldn't find a nine ninety nine fair. I think uh, okay. you have to be very good at finding these cheap fares. What do you reckon, Nev? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've got one or two friends that sort of specialise in trying to find these cheap fares and you think they'd be very good at it. But actually, even they could struggle to find those uh, those particular fares. And it's it's very, I mean, very odd flight times and odd locations and destinations and that sort of business. Yeah. I mean, myself and, and Owen, we've done several Ryanair flights together and they've been, I mean, I think the ones we did to lose, that was only 20 quid return. So, I mean, yeah, you know, there are definitely deals out there, but as say i don't think i've ever actually other you know you've always seen the advert banner that says you know flight fly to berlin for, for 9.99 and you click on the link and then there is you know i don't know what date it was that they were referring to but it's certainly not obvious <laughs> three minutes past two in the morning on a on a thursday <laughs> evening yes yeah what do you reckon amando any thoughts from our guest yeah i i think on the business side of it there's i had a friend just recently was asking me about uh, the marketing behind aviation and surely there's people that do this right they're aviation analysts and market analysts that but it's such a volatile industry you know it's a uh, fuel prices going up fuel prices going up in 30 percent of their destinations can affect fares can affect a whole airlines you know <clears throat> and there was this if, if you guys listen to the captain al's segment just recently you know Sometimes people even working inside the airline don't know the inner workings and the stability of that airline, uh, despite what, what's in the news and what the management is putting out publicly. So, you know, my, my brother is also an airline pilot, and he's gone through, I think, three airlines that have closed their doors uh, over the years. And, yeah, it's just <clears throat> it's just such a volatile industry. You just never really know, you know, from one year to the next. So, Nev, moving on, the next story is, uh, well, that's obviously a special one for you. <clears throat> Thank you very much indeed, Carlos. And it's on the Express. I hope everybody's uh, had their food Tea. and drink yeah. because uh, this is not the a story. Very, takes the... Yeah. Yes, it's not a very palatable <laughs> story. Uh, it says that disgusted British Airways passenger discovers business class seat soaked in urine. BA has been criticised by a business class passenger after he found his plane seat was soaked with urine, damaging his designer trousers. 
and he's unhappy with BA's response. Uh, a BA passenger was horrified to discover that his business class seat was indeed saturated. Uh, Andy Vickery was travelling with his wife to Jamaica when BA, uh, with BA when he made the disgusting realisation. That's three times they've used that word in uh, less than a paragraph. Um, after sitting down with a glass of champagne ahead of the 10-hour flight, Vickery noticed the seat was damp. He then realised his 150-pound Armani trousers were also wet through from the liquid. Just a point of order there, that doesn't seem very much money for a pair of Armani trousers, so he's obviously a bit of a cheapskate there. So, uh, anyway. But, anyway, when Vickery from Gloucester examined his pillow, he was appalled to realise that both the pillow and seat were soaked in urine. The cabin crew tried to take the seat cover off and it was disgusting as it had soaked right through, Vickery told Metro. Uh, and he revealed how he had to put his trousers in a plastic bag and change into spare clothes he had in his hand luggage. Do you always carry a spare pair of trousers in your hand luggage, gentlemen? I can't think I that. <laughs> no. no. Um, but anyway, he later had to throw the designer trousers away as he claims that there were no clothes washing facilities available at his destination. I'm sure Jamaica does have the ability <laughs> to wash people's clothes. There's enough. Uh, but anyway, the, yeah, quite. Well, the, the, the passengers also had to move seats away from his wife and said he's, he was disappointed not to sit with her on the transatlantic flight. Uh, BA have apologised to Vickery and given him 40,000 air miles in compensation. Uh, Vickery has argued it's not sufficient after the incident tarnished <laughs> his £5,000 holiday. However, the Centre for Effective Dispute Resolution, the CEDR, has dismissed the claim. A BA spokesman told the Express, we apologise to Mr Vickery, moved him to another seat and offered him and his wife enough avios for an upgrade to business class the next time they fly with us. The independent dispute adjudicator found that we acted fairly and reasonably in this case and dismissed the claim against us. This is not the first time that plane passengers have been disgusted to find bodily fluids on their seat. Well, I should be flying with the fine British Airways next <laughs> Thursday, and I'm going to have a good old sniff around before I sit. <laughs> oh. What do you reckon, Armando, to this? Uh, you know, this, this is uh, <laughs> right with the uh, the quick turnarounds that they're trying to do with these airplanes. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if BA, may, no, may, you may know, but does BA employ their own uh, cleaning crews at well, most, of course, uh, a lot of these companies these days, they've got third-party cleaning contractors, haven't they? They, they, they wouldn't be, I doubt they, they would be BA employees, so they use uh, the uh, third-party contract companies wherever they're based. Right, so aside from, from maybe their own uh, <laughs> you know, personal thoughts on, on the whole thing, if they're getting pressure from their management, it's a third party to clean the airplanes in 30 minutes, then uh, they may not take... All the time Although a BA, BA, BA flight to Jamaica, that's going to be uh, quite a reasonable turnaround time, you would have thought, mm. wouldn't you? So mm. um, I'm yeah. surprised that somebody missed that. Um, yeah. It almost <laughs> sounds like it was a dirty protest, possibly. Oh, <laughs> dear. Actually, on the subject of, of silly jokes, I noticed Richard King uh, had a very amusing uh, joke here. He's saying that... Uh, uh, wet lease aircraft uh, was Aww. was his uh, little joke, a bit appalling. Uh, and the main man, Micah, the legend that is, he's got a couple of terrible ones as well. I could understand it if they were flying on Wiz Airlines. I think that's a little bit of a punch <laughs> below the late. And uh, he also said, once again, BA, you're in trouble. 
Oh. And Mariana po points out quite rightly that uh, Captain L should be in the chat room, really, shouldn't he? Because I'm yes. sure he would uh, offer a considerable comment. About. Actually, can I just say, Nev, you are the you are the king of uh, puns. You, I thought you'd be the the one for all this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't read oh, out. Well, um, I, I can't read out Pilot <laughs> Pip's one in the chat room. Actually, that's a step too far. But uh... <laughs> some like Pip, God bless. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. So Micah is on a roll here. We've got this puts BA on my fecal roster. That's always oh. nice. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, we can carry on all night here. Yeah, because <laughs> Marianne has a good point. Captain now should be in the chat room today. I think that would have helped. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. moving yeah, swiftly sorry. on. Uh, uh, Armando, next story. All right, next one from Wired.com. Uh, a Turkish Airlines jet flew 800 miles out of its way and landed on time. See, most of the time, passengers on Turkish Airlines Flight 800 flying from Panama City to Istanbul can look down on Puerto Rico just after takeoff, then the blue of the Atlantic Ocean for a few hours, then southern France and northern Italy before arcing south over Greece and touching down. But those who made the trip on their Sunday... On Sunday, got a view of a very different set of locales. Cuba, then the east coast of the United States, the southern tips of Greenland and Norway, finally reaching the Turkish city by way of Poland and Romania. Uh, compared to the great circle distance between the two airports, meaning the shortest path of 6,739 miles, Flight 800 travels 7,553 miles, according to aviation tracking site Flight Radar 24. That is an extra 814 miles for public math. And while it takes two and a half hours to fly the same distance from New York City to Jacksonville, Florida, the Turkish Airlines Airbus A330 took just 27 minutes longer than average, landing just 11 minutes after its scheduled arrival time. Uh, by airline standard, uh, standards, that counts as officially on time. Uh, let's see, from an air traffic control perspective, it's not unusual, said uh, Sid McGurk. Uh, chair of the Department of Applied Aviation Sciences at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, especially not once you look, especially not once you look at the weather conditions at the time, when the Airbus A330 was getting ready to unglue from the tarmac in Panama, the jet stream over the Labrador Sea was blowing something fierce as the plane tracked north along the eastern seaboard. It was flying around 540 miles per hour, its standard cruising speed. Uh, when it caught the wind, however, its speed surged peaking at 700 miles per hour without burning any more jet fuel than usual. Uh, it kind of goes on. At, they talk about, uh, I think that we talked about it, uh, the Norwegian uh, 787 that set a speed record for, uh, they had a 202-mile-per-hour tailwind. Um, I think it got somewhere in the 700s, high 700s. But uh, there's a, a website actually called Windy, windy.com, which I actually use a lot for flight planning. And it's almost mesmerizing because you can see exactly what these what these folks are talking about. Where uh, you can set it to thirty thousand feet or forty thousand feet, you can set it to any altitude and watch the the wind. And it's an animated um, an animated animation uh, of the wind. And you can really see how airlines would use that to plan their flights. And I, I know I. <laughs> I have a, a good friend that was uh, trying to ferry over, I think it was a, a, not a Centurion, maybe a Cessna 414 or something like that, from Las Vegas all the way to Italy. And I had pointed them towards windy.com because it's a, just a quick visual of how you could get across the ocean coming that way. 
uh, and take advantage of those winds at different flight levels. So um, I think th it's pretty cool that they would put this out there. I think it probably happens about 30 times a day for, um, you know, those ETOPS flights and those uh, dispatchers at the airlines. But uh, either way, pretty cool that uh, that they put this out there in the in the media. So moving on to the next story then, and uh, this one is on the, it's getting by camera, there we go, this is on the foxnewslive.com website, this one, and uh, this is for those of you who may have a spare $26,000 lying around somewhere under a sofa pillow or somewhere, <laughs> and... Uh, like like Matt has, he's got. We've we've already me and Amanda have found your twenty six grand hiding under your pillow, Matt. <laughs> so a luxury airline is hosting a twenty six thousand dollar trip from Las Vegas to Tokyo to celebrate New Year's Eve twice. A New Year's Eve countdown can be so exciting, but then there then it's three, two, one, Happy New Year, and it's all over. Don't you ever wish you could celebrate that magical moment just one more time before officially starting the new year? Well, if you're in the right spot, you actually can. Crystal Air Cruises, a luxury airline, is offering an exclusive New Year's Eve package called the New Year Double Countdown Celebration for revelers who want to have their midnight kiss twice. <laughs> so the story goes it's back the package which runs uh between december the 29th uh, this year and january the 4th next year will allow guests to enjoy the new year's eve twice in two cities on opposite sides of the world in order to do this passengers will fly from tokyo to las vegas uh, this flight crosses the international date line, which essentially turns back time by 24 hours. Each package will cost $26,000 per person, but it also comes with a ton of luxury perks. At the beginning of the trip, guests will stay at the Hilton Tokyo Adabia at the luxury hotel. They can enjoy an exclusive dinner party, fireworks over the Tokyo Disneyland, watch sumo wrestling, and of course enjoy the hotel's amenities and explore the city. Then, once the New Year celebration in Tokyo has ended, guests will then fly to Las Vegas, where it will be uh, New Year's Eve again, thanks to the new time zone. In Vegas, guests can party at the Omnia nightclub, New Year's Eve party, uh, at Caesars Palace, featuring oh, DJ yeah. Calvin Harris. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Uh, they can also <laughs> take advantage of all the entertainment and nightlife Las Vegas has to offer at their leisure. I know I'd love Las Vegas. Uh, and if you're worried about being too tired from flying to partake in the worldwide fun, don't be. You should have no issues in napping in the air because Crystal Sky Aircraft, a massive Boeing 777, has 180 degree lie flat beds and noise cancelling headphones, plus the all important Wi-Fi, in-flight bar and in-flight chef and more to keep you rested and entertained. So if you want to have a, a Go at this and spend $26,000. Take yourselves over to the Crystal Air Cruises website uh, where you can find out more information. Now, Nev, I'm guessing this would be uh, up there on the old list, no? Oh, not really. I, I'm just not a big fan of um, New Year's Eve anyway and the prospect oh. of doing it twice. Would just, oh, <laughs> Let alone all the jet lag that goes with it. You know, I, I just not for me, I have to say. 
Armando? Carlos, I'm, I'm thinking uh, how, uh, I mean, this would be quite cool for you, of course, because, uh, you know, obviously uh, New Year's Eve is quite a lucrative time of year for you. Uh, the, the ability to be able to do two New Year's Eve parties, surely that, that's some kind of wet dream for you, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think we were talking about this the other day. Me and, uh, me and Gemma are just saying that uh, I've, I think I've worked the last, uh, I don't know, four or five New Year's Eves. It would be nice to have a year off, I think, this year and not have to go and, you know, entertain everyone well, else. Who's are, are you drunk. currently free and available on New Year's Eve? I then? am. I'm free and available Ooh, on New Year's Eve. It's goodness. amazing. I know. I know. It's, it's going to be really weird this year. Although if someone does come up to me in a few days' time and says, can I book you for New Year's Eve, you know, uh, and I quote them the um, the very small fee, uh, I, I would have to probably take it, I think. Yeah. Indeed. More flying. Okay. More flying. Armando, quickly, what uh, what do you reckon? Well, I think if I had, what, $1.5 billion or $614 million after taxes, I think the lottery was um, in the U.S., yeah, then sure, I'd fly a 777. Oh, you know, yeah, because oh, yeah, that there. was that big lottery win. That, yeah, if uh, I had 26 grand to, to just spend, then uh, sure. Air. <laughs> the, the airplane is beautiful. This uh, this uh, 777 uh, 200 that they've kitted out and just uh, complete corporate uh, interior is, is pretty nice. So moving on to the next story there, Matt. And, yes. And uh, this one is, uh, yeah, this one's on the Outlook India website. Uh, yes, indeed. Or well, the Outlook Traveller is actually the, the, the name or the story, the publication that it's in. Uh, as you say, based in India, as Carlos said. And the headline is, The Shazam of Travel is Here. You can now upload a screenshot and book tickets to Europe using Instagram. <laughs> okay. Right then. Uh, so if you spend the better part of your day scrolling through your Instagram feed and tapping away on people's stories, here's a chance to put that to good use. Soon you'll be able to use an Instagram screenshot as a way to book tickets to fly out to Europe. EasyJet, a low-cost airline true to its name, has launched a quick and easy-to-use feature called Look and Book, which allows you to upload an Instagram screen grab of a place that looks appealing and will lead you on Malta. to book tickets with just a tap. This feature is perfect for those who are always on the go and are in favour of impromptu plans. The app uses Instagram's geotagging feature, coupled with... Uh, image recognition software which auto completes information in the booking fields although an airline recommends using instagram shots for best results it may work with existing pictures from your iphone's library as well uh, this new feature is backed by um uh, sorry, where are we? Sorry, this, this new feature is backed by Instagram Envy that many of us face while uh, checking our friends' never-ending exotic holidays. The app uh, seeks to reduce the number of steps involved uh, right from looking at a picture, figuring out where it was taken, Googling the location to find the nearest airport, and then checking an airline's website for ticket prices. All this can be shortened by a seamless process used by Look and Book. This is about behavior change, says the creators. Instagram has emerged as an incredibly powerful force in the world of travel. They hope to attract new customers by adding an air of thrill to a usually tedious pro process for an instagram inspired holiday they further add that the feature will assist people in exploring europe by opening up lesser known locations look and book currently only supports ios oh dear carlos and the uh, 
is limited <clears throat> to uh, dest destinations in Europe only. But I suspect that's more because the majority of EasyJet's uh, routes are into and out of Europe, aren't they? Or am I perhaps mm, well, yeah. right? Yeah, weren't we just talking about uh, privacy concerns in airlines? So that's exactly what I want as uh, an airline looking into my Instagram and my geotagging on my iPhone to, to <laughs> yeah, book my tickets. Any old excuse. <laughs> Surely, I, I mean, I mean the, the bots because the bot seems a big thing, doesn't it? I know Skype uses bots, and uh, what's the other one that uses it? I know like Facebook Messenger and things. You can ha now have these robots, if you like, that automatically reply to you, and and you can answer it questions and to to order things like I think is it Domino's Pizza? I think. You can actually order a pizza using just an app, uh, just using your Facebook Messenger app and things. So I suppose it's just an extension of that. But I mean, I don't know. It seems, uh, is it really much quicker than just sitting down and sort of saying, I want, especially, I suppose, for a for the majority of people who are listening to this program, I mean, you you probably already know the airport code of the one that you want to go to when you're looking for a destination. Yeah. You know, Malta. so uh, Lima, I, I don't Mike, know Lima, if for people Malta. who are listening to this program, <laughs> it would necessarily speed things up. Uh, but uh, I mean, I like the tech. I like the idea behind it. And I'm, I'm a big fan of AI and sort of working out, you know, like the geotagging thing I, I kind of find interesting i mean i suppose they only have access to the the, the geotagging information that's on the photograph that you've uploaded to be fair Armando. i don't think they'd be trawling through your your phone's history if you like i think it'd only be what the the image that you uploaded to it that they would have access to yeah. um, well, i think neil in the chat room says sums it up do we really need a thrill from booking plane tickets not really, no, to be fair. We could just, you know, look forward to the holiday, really. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to get excited uh, next uh, next Friday when I'm printing out Gemma's boarding passes for her flight to Dubai, and I'm not even going. Right, okay. But, you know, <laughs> fair enough. It's still exciting. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the next story, and uh, Nev, it's uh, another BA story. It is, and uh, so often we hear on the other aviation podcasts about emotional support animals, and this is no exception, uh, because on the Independent it says that uh, a passenger was removed from a British Airways flight after it was discovered she'd attempted to smuggle a cat on board, claiming it was an emotional support animal. Uh, an unnamed woman was catching flight BA1477 from Glasgow to London Heathrow on the 21st of October when crew found the feline stowed in her luggage. The cat, stowed in a box inside the passenger's hand luggage, was only revealed because the woman was sitting on an emergency exit row and she was told she'd have to put her bag in the overhead locker. Uh, <laughs> the traveller was reportedly American, so uh, US airlines allow certain emotional passengers in the cabin free of charge. However, UK airlines only allow recognised assistance dogs, for example, guide dogs, into the cabin. A BA spokesman told the Independent, cats cannot travel in the cabin, but recognised assistance dogs are always very welcome and travel completely free of charge alongside their owners on board. Other animals will need to travel in the hold, but will be just as comfortable in a carefully controlled environment. 
The transportation of pets is handled by a sister company, IAG Cargo. They have decades of experience flying animals and will look after our customers' pets as if they are their own. It's the latest in a long line of incidents involving emotional support animals, which are frequently used by nervous flyers in the US. Earlier this month, a passenger was removed from a flight when she turned up with an emotional support squirrel. Frontier Airlines, a US airline based in Denver, asked Orlando police to escort the passenger and the rodent off the aircraft when she refused to disembark. And this is my favourite one. The Independent also reported on a United Airlines passenger (laughs) who tried to board a flight to Los Angeles with an emotional support peacock called Dexter earlier this year she reported uh, she reportedly offered to buy the bird a ticket but was refused because she he did not meet the size and weight <laughs> guidelines you couldn't make this stuff up could you oh what a laugh oh, this whole emotional support thing i think it's just gone it's gone a bit um, off the rails i do believe uh, Can you imagine you know, if I, you tried to take Poppycat onto an aeroplane, though, Carlos? I'd, I'll tell you what, I'd give it. I mean, she travels in the van with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but not in a cage. Uh, no, she sits <laughs> on the seat with me. Um, but I, I, she would not. She, I mean, you know what she's like, Matt. She hates uh, other humans. Uh, she does, from, yes. Yeah, um, she's so literally nothing's well. me, certainly, when I pop in. But um, <laughs> no, this, this whole emotional support thing, I think, is. Uh, it just goes from one extreme to another. Armando, you're obviously you're, you're well aware of the emotional support. I am, yeah. I don't know that I have much to add to the emotional support animal thing other than Dexter is a cool name for a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Nev, are you uh, going to take uh, your uh, your cats along with you? Or? No, I don't think that, I don't think BA would appreciate me taking them to Gibraltar uh, next week. They might uh, interfere with the uh, the macaque uh, monkeys and things like that. <laughs> I don't want to get there, but uh, no, I think that there's. Um, I think that's the big difference, isn't it? You know, we, there's pretty strict rules about what you can and what you can't take on aircraft, but uh, uh, people do just disregard it completely. And uh, but yeah, the peacock one was particularly funny. I thought. It's very odd, isn't it? It's just so bizarre. I know, but it makes great stories, as Nev found out. Does it, though? (laughs) So, Armando, the next story. And uh, if you don't get this story right, Armando, I'm going to slap you around the face (laughs) with my mobile phone. Uh, The good thing is nobody will ever know that uh, if I get it right or not. Uh, from the Daily Mail, well, I just told you where it's from. So, from the DailyMail.co.uk, oh, uh, no. <laughs> a uh, a man has been given a five day detention after smacking an airline staff member across the face with his mobile phone in East China. Uh, the passenger was upset that his flight had been canceled the night before, and took it out on the airline employee the next day at the airport in Qingdao, in Shandong Province. Uh, the man. Uh, the man, surnamed Wu, was uh, or has been blacklisted by the Chinese, Chinese airline, which the police have not named. Um, let's see. The incident occurred on July 29th, but surveillance... Sub- oh, my gosh. I am murdering this story. Uh, surveillance footage of the man's actions emerged this week, sparking online discussions. The Nanjing-bound flight was canceled due to adverse weather conditions, according to the newspaper. The airline arranged accommodation for Wu's family for the night, offered 400 yen, yuan, uh, about 44 pounds, as compensation. The company has also arranged for Wu to board the same flight on the next day. 
However, when Wu returned to the airport the next morning and asked to board an earlier flight, the air the airline employees said all the morning flights were full. During the discussion at the counter, Wu is filmed pointing his finger at the staff member angrily before suddenly smacking his face with his iPhone. Uh, so no. police, sorry, go ahead. No, I just <clears throat> say it's not a phone. Yeah. yeah, the uh, police officers oh. were alerted to the assault. Uh, they apprehended the man uh, after checking the surveillance footage. Let's see. Uh, internet users were outraged by the man's actions, saying that he deserved a heavier penalty. Um, this person should be blacklisted from all airlines in the country. Uh, yeah, it goes on to... Uh, Do you remember, Matt? And they've, and I don't think you'd have probably heard of it, uh, Armando. There used to be a program called Airline. It used to be on mm, in the UK I, here. I did and used it, to watch it. Actually. Yeah, it focused on EasyJet <laughs> in the UK. And oh, they, yeah. Used to have the uh, the cameras kind of rolling at the check-in desks and stuff, and they used to have these passengers come in and, you know, I want to get on this flight, but they've you know, they've missed it by three years, and they yeah, you know yeah. they they'd kind of go absolutely mental at the staff and kind of and really really just. You know, it was it's it awful right. and i think the other thing is i've noticed um in fact i actually had a friend of mine she used to work on the british airways check-in desk at terminal one at heathrow when ba flew out of there and she was telling me years ago the amount of abuse that the uh the boys and girls have to have to take on the desk was uh, horrific this is all because this is all before um uh, online check-in all the rest of it so that was the only way to check in I was to go up to the desk and uh, it was pretty horrific and uh, you know I know we all get uh, concerned and, and fed up sometimes with delays and, and cancellations but uh, some of the uh, abuse that uh, the staff used to take was horrific I have to say. I know um, obviously we've had a, a spate especially this summer just gone with um, Ryanair isn't it there's been a spate of of continuous delays and all that kind of thing and as we all know we've got sort of several friends who've worked um, for Ryanair during uh, said period and I mean some of the horror stories that I know that you know certainly you me Carlos and Nev we've we've heard from mm. from people who work there i mean some of the stories that we really us humans can be really horrible people sometimes can't we and we just don't you know i i know we're tired and we're upset and all that kind of thing because of this awful thing that's happening and and you know i i'm the first to admit that sometimes this stupid little thing becomes the the only thing that my brain can focus on because and you know when you get all worked up and upset about the most ridiculous thing but you know, we do all need to sort of sit back a bit, really, and just sort of think, why are we being horrible to this person? It's a procedure. They're just doing what they can. Not forgetting as well, you know, this is what they invent insurance for, holiday insurance. You know, it's all bad being yeah. delayed, having your flight cancelled or, you know, being you're having an issue at an airport so you can't fly. But, yeah. you know, that's why they invented something called insurance. So when things like this happen, you're covered. You know, you have that, that EU directive thing that, 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 that kind of works after three hours, I think it is, Nev, three or four hours mm. after a delay, it kicks in and you get compensation for this, and you know, this, that and the other. You know, and it's just, it's uh, no excuse to, uh, I, I think. I, to, the only thing I would say like, against that, Carlos, is insurance companies are notoriously good at wriggling out of claims. Um, you know, if there's one small tiny checkbox that hasn't been filled in or something like that, you'd be, you know, I mean... That's that dodgy company you use, Matt. Dodger and Scarpa. That's the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's my favourite kind. But, you know, that, that, that's that's kind of the thing. The point I'm making is, as I say, I know we all get upset and angry, especially if, you know, but, and, and again, the community to which I suppose that are listening to, to what we're doing this evening, they're... 
you know they tend to be at the airport in good time they're not arriving sort of five minutes before check-in time therefore you know allowing plenty of time for road delays and and all that kind of thing it's just i don't know we just need to be nicer to each other don't we what do you Armando? yeah i i have sort of two things to say about this uh, i used to work I, I think i told you guys i used to work on the ramp uh, at uh uh, defunct airline, Atlantic Coast Airlines that became Independence Airlines. And uh, so work in ramp operations, uh, one unique thing is, so these young folks and uh, working the counters, like Nev was saying, they are they are subject to so much abuse. And, you know, that I worked in Washington, D.C. at Dulles Airport, and uh, there would be a snowstorm in Chicago. Uh, the flight wouldn't go, and the gate agents would just be uh, verbally abused and what I got to see on the, uh, you know, what passengers don't see from the front, from the terminal and the counter side is those folks would badge out. Um, in my airline, we used to walk out to the airplanes. There was no jetways, but they used to badge out, go outside and cry. They, they would literally go behind where the customers wow. couldn't see them and cry because somebody would just yell at them. Uh, now they got pretty, gate agents have pretty thick skin, but uh, they're still humans. Um, so that's the first commentary. And the second one is, well, it's all perspective, isn't it, right? So if you think back to the days of DC-4s and DC-6s and Constellations, it used to take two to three days to get from uh, you know from London to Australia or uh, Washington, D.C. to uh, Columbia, right? So, I mean, your delay could be a day and you're on the same airplane. So it's all perspective. Just because your flight is delayed a couple hours, that's no reason to probably abuse anybody. I agreed. I couldn't agree more. That's uh, well said. So the next story is uh, on the Business Traveller uh, website. And um, interesting story, this one. Uh, yeah, it, it is, yeah. So this is... Uh... The headline is uh, Hate the Middle Seat. Um, this Ooh. is the perfect airline for you. <laughs> South American airline Goal, G-O-L, has solved the middle seat dilemma by eliminating it altogether on some flights. Gol, Brazil's largest airline, is launching a new non-stop service uh, from Fortezela and Brasilia to Miami and Orlando in November 2018. To ease the stress of the long eight-hour flight, it's announced that the airline would eliminate some middle seats in their Boeing 737 MAX 8 jets. These jets are built with three seats on either side of the uh, centre aisle, but Gull will cover the middle seats in its uh, premium economy section with a tabletop for share but for use by travellers. Uh, of course, that class of service is priced at roughly twice that of a normal standard economy ticket, so if you opt for the cheap ticket, you could still end up in a middle seat. Gull's premium economy seats are roomier too, with 34 inches of seat pitch compared to 31 inches in standard economy class seating. Airline officials are hoping that the added room and subtracted neighbours will convince more travellers to shoulder the extra cost and help offset rising operational costs due to increased prices for jet fuel. Hmm. So they're not actually taking out, ripping the middle seat out. They're kind of just turning the middle seat into a... Like a table? A, a table, yeah, which I think a lot of their... I know Air Malta do that on their A320s um, for um, the business class section. The seats are slightly larger, but the centre seat or middle seat is uh, has a table. rather. The, uh, the, the BA, BA do that on their um, uh, club 
uh, Europe services as well. And I had a passenger who was trying to sit next to me uh, the other week when the the two the three seats were configured as two. He was trying to sit in the middle seat, and there was no way that he was going to fit in there in a month or so. Uh, no, so no I can imagine. I, we we I must admit I've uh, on the odd Ryanair flight that I've done, and and if I've been lucky enough not to have somebody sort of sat like in the middle seat. Uh, myself and whoever i've flown with either mum or whatever we we've quite often used the the middle seat if it's been spare as essentially an unofficial table to put all our crap you know <laughs> i think uh pilot pip in the uh, chat room has a great observation which is uh two seats at twice the price equals four seats which is fairly clever uh-huh. yes very good <laughs> yeah, it's a sneaky way of putting the price up without anyone realizing <laughs> so yeah. matt while you're there uh, the uh, indeed yes so this is, is on cnn travel uh, it's the business traveler section and the headline is 16 new airports and terminals we can't wait to fly into it's uh, with more than with more people flying uh, than ever cities uh, around the world are building new airports and upgrading old terminals to create facilities capable of handling tens of millions of passengers. The results are modern, stylish architectural statements that banish the dark, crowded travel spaces of the past. Here are 16 of the most exciting airports under construction or redevelopment. So I seem to remember we mentioned, did we mention Istanbul uh, a few weeks back, I seem to Mm. recall? Yes. Indeed. So Turkey has uh, great ambitions to become a new meeting point between East and West. Its national carrier, Turkish Airlines, already flies to more countries than any other airline globally. And with the... um, uh, with it, I can't say that word. I can't really understand it. But uh, it's, with the appropriately named Istanbul Airport opening soon, the country now has a gateway to be proud of. Replacing the older, darker airport, it is a mega hub uh, that will eventually be capable of handling 150 million passengers per year, perhaps even rivaling Dubai in terms of connecting travellers. Uh, the airport's official opening is scheduled for October the 29th, so that's only a couple of days away, isn't it? Uh, but with the latest report saying it won't be fully operational until the end of 2018. So I'm going to have a, is it Al Maktoum International That's Airport it. in yeah. Dubai? Uh, already open and handling cargo plus a small selection of passenger flights. Al Maktoum International Airport southwest of downtown Dubai is likely to be one day uh, one of the largest and busiest in the world if plans are to be believed. Al Maktoum, commonly known as Dubai World Central, will one day have five runways, three terminals and be home to the huge fleets of super jumbos operated by emirates it will boast shorter walking distances for passengers and a high speed link rail link to the center of dubai uh, next up it's singapore Shanghai airport uh, the world's favorite airport an asian mega hub singapore Shanghai is uh, eagerly working towards opening its new jewel and terminal five the jewel is an impressive glass multi-use area connecting the existing terminals and introducing shopping eating and entertainment facilities for passengers and visitors to use. It will feature the world's tallest indoor waterfall and is set to open in 2019. Terminal 5 will open to the east of the current terminals in the mid-2020s with a capacity of 50 million annual passengers. Uh, LaGuardia Airport in New York 
coming not a minute too soon. This is the complete revamp and rebuild of the terminals and taxiways at New York's crowded LaGuardia Airport to create one unified terminal structure with more gates and more space capable of handling the thousands of daily passengers. The old low ceilings and cramped corridors in a confusing mix of different terminals will make way for light, airy spaces with plenty of windows and new amenities. Other improvements include new parking facilities, taxiways and a vital link to the new New York City Metro. That will be popular, I think, actually. Uh, Beijing Daxing um, International Airport. Another new airport for 2019 is Daxing International, which also has ambitious ambitions to become the largest and busiest in the world. It will feature one of the largest passenger terminals in the world, which simultaneously reduces the amount of walk time passengers need to undertake compared to similar hubs. It will soon become home to China Eastern Air Airlines and China China Southern Airlines, which will move from the existing Beijing Capital Airport. With a high-speed rail link connection to the cities and new motorway network, it has been built with future with the future in mind, with an eventual space for 100 million passengers uh, per year and seven runways as China's aviation industry continues to grow. I'm just going to do one more of these because, as I say, there's like 16 there and uh, uh, the link to this story will be in the show notes so you'll be able to have a look at the entire list so there's some great photos uh in there as well but uh, western sydney airport which is where i'll end this story uh, with sydney's existing kingsford smith airport restricted by its waterfront location and nighttime curfews to keep the neighbors happy a new airport has been in the planning for quite a while located at the very australian sounding uh, badgeries creek construction recently started on western sydney airport which is 27 miles from the city and is being planned to allow growth and offer relief to the existing airport. It is scheduled to open in 2026. Actually, Matt, I was going to put the picture on the screen just now of uh, one of the most fantastic-looking airports on one of those pictures there. I mean, just just take a look at that. That is really amazing. What do you think of that, guys? Uh, Which one? Sorry, I haven't got the pictures here. Carlisle Lake District Airport. Yes, I'm going to have a a, a go at that, I think, uh, next year when they open that. Um, Perhaps we could do a bit of a review or something like that or do some filming up there. That would be good, wouldn't it? Oh, wow, yeah. So Britain's newest regional airport has had a somewhat rocky start so far, owned and operated by the Stobart Group. So this is the people that own Southend, isn't it? Yes. Uh, This northwest northwest gateway uh, on the edge of the Lake District National Park was a sleepy general aviation field until a new terminal was built and flights announced to Belfast, Dublin and London. Delays in opening due to staff training issues have somewhat dampened the initial optimism and goodwill. But uh, come 2019, locals and tourists alike will have the option of flying in and out of the region. Well, it's, 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 it's obviously gone quite well. I mean, certainly, because you've actually flown out of Southend, haven't you, Carlos? Yes, I have. It's a very nice airport indeed. Um, yeah. Great services, easy to get parked. The car park is right next to the terminal building. Easy to get in, check in. Check-in area could be slightly bigger, but, you know, there's only a few flights going in out of there a day. Uh, yeah. But uh, very swift and easy process indeed, and I shall definitely be flying from South End Airport again. I'll tell you what, this Carlisle Lake District Airport, if they can make the prices right between London and Carlisle, I mean, that that's going to be a, a big thing, I think, isn't it? 
going to pause just a second there, Matt, because we had uh, an email whilst we've been doing the show. Yeah, I know uh, what we're going to do from, here. From uh, Richard I King. I don't know if that helps. Uh, and we will put the actual picture on there. There we go. Now, apparently Richard King has said that uh, his wife keeps telling him that uh, him and Matt, uh, both him and Matt look very much alike. <laughs> it's on the screen now. I know Matt's got mm. it on the screen, but we've got the picture on the feed there for those of you who are in the YouTube world. So if we just go, Matt, if you just look at the camera, put your phone down, yep. and we'll just, uh, here we go, we'll, we'll scroll between the two. There's Matt, uh, and there's Richard, and there's Matt, and there's Richard, <laughs> and there's Rich, no, that's Rich, no, that's Matt, and there's Matt, no, Richard. No. This should sound great on the audio yeah. download. <laughs> yeah, for those of you watching the audio download, very sorry, but you need to take yourselves over to uh, you, I, I've to often YouTube. said that I've got a great face for radio, so um, <laughs> there we we'll, are. We'll, we'll just uh, wait to yeah. see what the uh, the guys in the YouTube uh, it's world... Kind of, it's kind of Richard think. I feel sorry for in this particular scenario. <laughs> you know, <it's> just like... <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, moving swiftly on then to, uh, to the next story, Dev. Uh, yeah, yeah, Richard Adams says twins in the yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is on the uh, Air Transport World website, and it says that uh, British Airways is going to make a, a multi-million pound investment in staff training at its Heathrow Airport hub 10 months Yay. after a snowfall there brought chaos to its services. The breakdown led to the stranding of thousands of passengers, with some complaining of a lack of assistance from BA staff just a few days after CEO Alex Cruz told an aviation club luncheon in London that the difference between BA and low-cost carriers was that the national carrier's staff would bust a gut to fix passengers' problems when things go wrong. That was maybe the problem. Uh, but the new training initiative will start with the airline's customer service hosts at its flag flagship home, Heathrow's Terminal 5. BA hosts have traditionally helped customers with one aspect of their journey, the airline said in a statement. As part of a new approach between now and next summer, a huge training operation will get underway to enable every host to help customers across a range of different areas, from ticketing to rebooking, changing reservations, finding delayed luggage or providing up-to-date flight information. Hosts will use iPad loaded with a number of specialist apps and will walk the terminal floor reaching out to customers rather than waiting for them to visit desks. Now, BA's uh, COO Klaus Gersh added this will change the service that we deliver at Heathrow but at its heart it's a really simple idea. It's about trusting our people and empowering them giving them everything they need to provide the very best service to our customers. Uh, we, we're encouraging our hosts to treat customers as they would their own family and to own and resolve issues on the spot. Uh, it's this exceptional customer service that will set us apart from the other airlines. The new approach is expected to be extended across Heathrow to empower all BA staff regardless of where they work. Well, I've certainly seen a bit more of this recently, certainly at Terminal 5 when I was there the other day, and um, yeah, good on them. I think it's if they don't have to keep referring things upwards all the time and they're able to make you know, fairly sensible decisions, on their own, that will be a lot of help. Yeah, we appear to have a, a slight, slight audio issue there, Nev. Your mic seems to have gone a bit muffled, Matt. I don't know whether you. Uh... Oh, yeah, okay. I, yes, I don't know quite what happened there. I, I thought it was my end, so I didn't no, say you're... anything because I'm, I'm on a remote connection. But uh... you're still clear, Matt. Uh, Nev, yeah, you, you've gone very, very, very muffled all of a sudden. Oh, I don't know why that is. Um, okay. You're back. Oh, okay. You're back. 
Yeah, we don't know what will happen there. Oh well, never mind. Uh, we'll just gloss over that and move okay. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think airlines should uh, yeah, account for this in their you know revamping schemes as they're doing uh, either new liveries, new paint schemes, new uniforms. You know, we we did a couple stories in the last couple months about airlines spending a lot of money on their image. Uh, I think good successful companies also take a good amount of money and invest in their people. So I think if they're doing customer service training and um, you know, just good old general. Hey, here, here's the image of the uh, of the airline. I, I think it it can only benefit them. We do. We, yeah. we have stories, don't we, Nev, all the time about BA and that and kind of that the white. We say that they've slipped a little bit in you know over the last few years and that. Do you do you think there is much room for improvement with BA? The thing is that um, we have created this situation ourselves because we now turn up at the airport so much earlier because of all the security and all the rest of it uh, that the the main concourse gets very crowded very quickly. Um, unless you're doing hand luggage only and you're going straight through security, you end up with a lot of people uh, there. Now, some of which might be flying once a week, once a month, that kind of thing. Other people may be flying once every couple of years or every three years, so they don't know where to go. So I think if you have got people walking the floor, as it were, then you've got a much better chance of giving, giving them a, a better level of service rather than a bigger, big queue, at, you know, the, the customer information counter, that, that kind of thing. So it's, it's got to be a good thing as long as they are empowered to make those decisions themselves because if they have to spend all their time, you know, talking to other people or, or getting authority, then that kind of defeats the object uh, somewhat. So, uh, Armando, the next story is all yours. Okay, I think for our last story, this is from foxnews.com. It's uh, American Eagle flight strikes and kills a deer during takeoff at a Pennsylvania airport. They start with, oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> an American Eagle flight scheduled to leave for Philadelphia on Wednesday morning was forced to abort takeoff and s- after striking and killing a buck on the runway. Uh, the 50-seat twin-engine jet, which is, mm, I don't believe it was that one. I think it was a CRJ. Um, was attempting to take off from Williamsport Regional Airport in Montoursville, Pennsylvania, uh, shortly after 6 a.m. when the aircraft's landing gear hit the deer. The airport's executive director, Thomas J. Hart, confirmed to Penn Live. After returning to the gate, passengers were rebooked on other airlines, a representative for American Airlines told Fox News. The American Eagle flight was being operated by Piedmont Airlines, uh, a subsidiary of American Airlines. The... Uh, uh, Hart told PenLive that the deer likely scaled the perimeter fence, though such occurrences are rare. The plane suffered minimal damage and was undergoing inspection. Um, Williamsport Regional Airport is actually one of the most, probably one of the most beautiful settings on the East Coast of America. Williamsport is the home of Lycoming engines, so oh, Lycoming yeah. aircraft engines. And uh, where the airport sits, it's uh, just next to the Susquehanna River and it's just a, on the south side of the runway it's just all wooded area with the river right there and there's uh just a it's it's a beautiful valley beautiful setting but you could see that there's probably a lot of wildlife and i think this is probably more again more common than than most people think uh, sure a uh, deer striking an aircraft is going to cause some damage but we we see it in general aviation Probably a little bit more often. I think our friends down in Australia or any of those uh, remote airstrips out there are probably hearing a lot of stories about uh, wildlife and aircraft coming together. 
It's a shame, isn't it, Matt? It's a it's a dear shame when you hear about uh, yeah, these incidents. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you, come on, you, no, you just have to be nice here. Come on, this is Bambi we're talking about here, you know. <laughs> yeah, but some someone may have had a good uh, a good a good food a feed that night. You know, so <laughs> just just putting it out I, there. I'm, I'm gonna before yeah, anyone I'm, else says it in the chat room. Come on, because you know what the chat room is like. Venison is lovely. Um, I, I just prefer it to have been more humanely killed. Actually, Neil uh, Neil Lamorn Neil Lamorn in the chat room says uh, eagle kills deer. Wow. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I like what he's done there. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that is where we are going to bring the commercial news segment to a close. Uh, so, Nev, we're going to hand things over to you to introduce the next amazing segment for the show. It is quite amazing, actually. And um, could I just thank everybody that came along to Heathrow this week uh, on Monday. We had a fantastic time there and uh, a lot of people turned up, which was brilliant. I think we got to talk to everyone except uh, one of the chaps there. And I'll tell you about that uh, uh, later on but uh, no we really really enjoyed it so thank you very much indeed for coming along for what was a great meetup. so let's uh, have a look at the video well good morning from a very sunny Heathrow uh, on Monday morning and uh, it's perfect weather actually could not be better just the job and I've got a couple of my chums with me we've got Phil Davis here Hi, enough and we've got Neil Lamborn right, Neil how far have you come today about two hours about 90 miles what was the traffic like? Heavy, but not too bad, actually. Not, not too bad for getting down to here. Yeah, typical Monday morning rush hour. But, of course, Phil has had a much farther distance to come, haven't you? Yeah, just a little bit. And uh, 205 miles, not too bad. Three-hour trip, so... 205 so, miles? So I, so I avoided the traffic by leaving at 3 o'clock this morning. Oh. How do you manage that? Is that because of your shift work? Yeah, uh, possibly. I don't know. Just seem to be able to do long days, which is uh, which is helpful when you got to come all the way up here and go all the way back home in the same day. But uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, well, we're looking for a, forward for a good day spotting today. I think we're going to see um, Captain Nick, uh, Dave Willis, um, and Pilot Pip is going to come along, and maybe one or two others as well. So uh, look forward to it. What's been on the uh, early arrivals list so far, Phil? Today. Uh, I was in the uh, Oman's uh, Dreamliner was quite good. That was all right. Uh, I've managed to see all four of the um, A320 Neos for British Airways that I needed. So mm. I've only seen one, and there's four extras. They've all been in already. So, nice. Uh, Any um, A350s this morning at all? Uh, not that I've noticed. There's a couple gone over. There's, well, three three um, Lufthansa's gone over. So that was quite good. And uh, um, there was a oh, a couple of. Um, Air France A380s and a Dreamliner as well, which was quite good. So hopefully you need all of those. So. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> Do you have the same obsession as um, Phil has, Neil, for writing down all, all the reg? I only do photos, I don't do numbers. <laughs> uh, the only time I've ever chased numbers was when I realised I only had a couple of BMI babies missing before they went out of business. And I chased the last one for about five or six weeks and then saw it three times in the same day. Um, so this is actually the first time I've been down here when they've been on, on the O9s. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. Hopefully we'll get some nice shots when the sun comes around a little bit further. Yeah, brilliant. Well, let's uh, see what we can do and we'll catch up with you shortly. Well, morning, Graham. How are you? Morning, Nev. Uh, good to see you again. Yeah, Yeah. thanks for coming. Are you, are you working today or are you off? I am 2 till 10 up in the town of day 3 of 6 today. How's the training going? It's going well. Uh, simulator course last month and then 
back up in the tower now, moving the real aeroplanes around with someone watching me, trying not to mess it up. <laughs> Has it been more challenging than you expected, would you say? Uh, I never expected Heathrow to be an easy place, let's put yes, it that I way. It has and it hasn't. A lot of it comes reasonably naturally after the training I've had back at the Air Traffic Control College, but at the same time it's a lot more complex than having a Cessna in the circuit and one coming down fine. Are you able to watch the other guys doing it as well to, to, you know, to help you complete the picture? Yeah, so I've spent four months um, yes. doing familiarisation, mainly watching yeah, it's a, it's uh, some of the experienced controllers upstairs doing their stuff and making it work. So yeah. got a lot of useful tips from that and just trying to find all the good ones and find my own way. <laughs> How long will it be before you're fully qualified, do you think? Uh, by the end of next year, we're hoping. Uh, we're looking at maybe September, October, but we'll see. Brilliant. Well, it's a great day here today and much nicer than it was yesterday. A bit of a pea super, wasn't it, yesterday? It was a bit, yeah. It crept in yesterday morning. We watched it crawl down the runways and then it caused a bit of delays and a lot of pilots asking why they were sitting around after it had cleared out, but we how got it back. How much problem does that give you when you've got sort of changeable weather conditions like that? Uh, it's not easy. Um, we just try our best to keep the delay down. The inbound delay was quite high, so we were keen to try and keep stuff flowing in rather than put a lot of spacing on for low visibility um, and it was just about working with clear down the west end of the airfield where we were landing uh, and then it wasn't long that we were in low visibility and then sun came up and we came back out and got stuff moving again as quick as we could. Great well thanks for coming today and great That's to speak right. to you again. Yeah good to see you for a few hours and uh, you can watch me make a mess later. Can't wait. <laughs> Well, hello, Pip. Morning Hi. to you. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. A lovely day. Look at this. Look, a cloud in the sky. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? So, are you flying this week at all? No, I just finished work yesterday, so I got uh, five days off. Spent all week looking at aeroplanes, and I thought, what should I do on my days off? I know, I'll come to Heathrow and look at some planes, which is, I guess, the, the object of the game today. But, uh, yeah, nice to be here. Nice to see everyone. Yeah, nice turnout today, actually, and uh, just coming up to lunchtime, too, which is an important part of the day. I had heard the magic L word, and I don't need to be asked twice. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd dash down and get some lunch. So, looking forward to that. But, uh, no, I only just arrived. Nick, as you can see, just behind me has uh, just turned up as well. A number of other chaps here. And, uh, yeah, we're all here to look at Heathrow, look at aeroplanes. How was your trip to the US? Oh, it's a few weeks ago now. Yes, well, um, I've got one of my mementos here, the big... The big sea cap, we're still debating as to whether the sea stands for crew, crew, captain or something un, uh, unbroadcastable. But uh, no, it was very nice actually, thank you. Uh, a nice week in Columbus and then a few bonus days in Chicago, um, having fun, seeing Steph and um, generally having a nice time. So yeah, it was good. Very nice. Great stuff. Good to see you again. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, so, morning. Good morning to you all and especially to you, sir. Thank you for coming. Uh, well, it's all right. I needed that damn book. I didn't have much chance since it appears that it's cheaper for me to drive here than it is for you to stick in the post. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Anyway, thanks for coming, uh, Nick. Uh, so we've seen a couple of go-arounds this morning already. Well, all I can say is um, it's, it's awful weather, isn't it? So you can understand why these poor people were having a problem, although Graham says it's uh, Alpha 9 that's the problem. So uh, that's a common turn-off. 
And if people think they can turn off there and don't quite uh, understand when they get there what the barriers mean, it'll cause a bit of a delay. And because I guess they're trying to cram people in two and a half miles each, usually behind uh, each arrival, uh, eventually the guy down the back is going to go around. But, uh, I mean, Heathrow is famous for its late landing clearances. Unlike America, where you get a landing clearance at 35 miles after takeoff, you know, so I'm just leaving Heathrow's control zone. I usually get my landing clearance into New York. Uh, joking. Uh, 30 miles would be a reasonable time to get your landing clearance into New York with like six ahead. Um, here, you, they've got to have a positive landing clearance, which can mean uh, I've had them as late as in the flare, which means if I don't get it and I have to go around at that point, my wheels are actually going to be on the runway for a significant length of time before I can get the engines pulled up. So, we were just uh, talking about that earlier, actually. And uh, does your airline accept a, a land-after clearance? Uh, we have it in our procedures, and we know we can be given it, and it's up to the captain as to whether he's willing to accept it or not. So trouble is uh, you've really got to have trust in the carrier ahead of you. So I would look at the, I would look at the tail of the aircraft that's supposed to be clearing, and if he was from about 57 different airlines, I wouldn't take a uh, land one on clearance because I wouldn't be sure that he wouldn't do something stupid. But the other five airlines that I frequently see here at Heathrow, yeah, probably uh, probably do that. They're on uh, four-mile spacing today, according to Graham, even in this weather. And with that um, taxiway closed, uh, they even somebody else managed to make a mess of uh, getting off the runway reasonably quickly earlier. OK, won't they be using that fancy piece of software? This is me looking at Graham, the one that actually predicates the uh, spacing. Um, yes, yeah, it will be working out um, <laughs> the approach we've got... Uh, Time-based separation. Though. That's the off. one. Time-based um, separation. Though we can, if we think the gaps are a bit tight and it's all getting a bit hairy for us and everything's becoming a land after or a very tight clearance, we can ask for an extra half-mile, mile. But So it won't be a fixed four miles. It will be a variable distance, depending on what uh, the time-based separation is giving you. I'm not sure at the minute. I think, yes, we are on time-based separation at the minute with four miles put in instead of three in the box, and then it will work out. If there's a headwind, we can reduce that slightly or tailwind increase it slightly. This is getting so sophisticated now, this piece of software that they're trying to flog around the world, that we are now required to give not only our aircraft type, but also our uh, serial number. No, AJ. <laughs> uh, so you don't, not just a 330, but you are a 330, 300 or a 200 or a 747, 400, or there aren't many classics left. Yeah. Because those few knots and the difference in landing speed between uh, even, uh, um, that's not what I'm looking for, they're all the same type, but they're different models, yes. um, are sufficient to change the variable. So they're trying to get it that well all times. I think it's a good piece of kit, keeps up the flow. We always like a good flow for people at our age. Um, and, um, you know, so the other day, uh, for example, I came in, uh, it was forecast to be poor visibility and um, certainly a tempo and a prop 30, but it was still, you know, expecting some holding. And we got a 09 snatch. What's that about? Uh, but they then insisted on putting two airplanes from the north and in front of me, so it wasn't so much of a snatch. Um, but um, they were what I was expecting, half an hour's holding. 
and uh, we got didn't even go to the hole. They got turned away and sent round the corner to zero nine, which is always good. Anyway, gents, and you, Nick, especially, thanks for talking to us. You're very welcome. Lovely to be here and see so many very keen people staring at aeroplanes. So, good morning, Dave. How are you? Morning, morning, Nev. I'm fine, thanks. Yes, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Well, it's a nice day for it, isn't it? It's absolutely glorious out here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Good group of people. Lovely weather for October. Fantastic. Yeah, it was a bit um, foggy and nasty yesterday, so I'm glad the weather's perked up today, actually. It was, actually, yes. And Saturday we went to um, Latuque from Goodwood as well, and we had to leave late because the mist over Latuque was quite severe. But uh, another, another nice flight as well with a, a friend that's building his hours. So, yeah, I'm scratching my aviation itch <laughs> to the extreme at the moment. Yeah, good for you. Do you do much GA flying at all? Uh, no, not very much at all. I'm an AV, AV geek, but I don't have a private pilot's licence. I'm a simmer, so I'll spend a lot of time in front of a computer. But knowing people in the community that I've met through APG and um, uh, Plane Talking UK, etc., you kind of gravitate to each other and suddenly you find someone local that's building their hours and says, oh, if you want to come along for some gas money, we'll, uh, we'll go and have lunch in France or something, which is fantastic. It's a really enjoyable experience just to talk about aviation and the like with like-minded people and not getting looked at like you're some kind of weirdo in the pub. <laughs> like there's three or four of us here at the moment. <laughs> exactly, it's just a support group, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Do you come down to Heathrow very much at all? Uh, not as much. I used to do a lot of work in Hounslow, which was great because you've got Myrtle Avenue over by Hatton Cross. So I'd go and buy a sandwich and sit on the, uh, on the grass there and watch the heavies coming in. It was absolutely brilliant. One day I turned up and there was crowds. I couldn't find anywhere to park. And I'm saying, what's going on? And they said, you've just missed the inaugural BA 787 flight. And I just arrived as everyone was leaving. So that's, uh, that was good timing. Brilliant. And, uh, no, very much appreciate you coming along today, Dave. Thanks ever so much. Oh, my pleasure, Nev. Thanks for advertising it and for inviting us all along. It's been an absolute blast. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. flyby 5823 trent dane for 23r manchester with air 6x client flight level 210 direct to Brooklyn's park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. So we came up with the idea of having a video course. Obviously ours are, are better because we've got the experience on the aircraft and we know what we need to be looking at. 
something that myself and Andy started initially really to improve our own technical knowledge and put something out there. We saw that there was a gap and this wasn't a media that was being used for this purpose and our hunch was right because there's obviously a market for it. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 340 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. Did I detect a new advert there? <laughs> yes, you, you did. <laughs> yes, if you were uh, the, the keen uh, viewer and listeners amongst you. And um, yeah, I'm very pleased to say that uh, we have been uh, doing some uh, work with the guys from the A320 podcast. That's uh, Matt and Andy. We've had them on the show previously. And we're doing a lot of work with them over the last few weeks. And we are helping them uh, develop some of their videos for their simulation company. And next week, they are launching a new uh, facility, a new uh, um, set of training videos uh, called the A320 Lounge. And that's www.a320lounge.com. And uh, if you're a pilot, you can sign up for training programs and videos and that kind of thing. I'll be having the guys on uh, in a future episode to, to will be able to tell us all about what they've been up to. But uh, they've been working very hard to put this together. And uh, Matt and I have been helping them since, uh, gosh, early part of the spring this year. And uh, it's all come to fruition uh, just this last week, actually. So that's one of the adverts you've seen. They've got a longer advert out as well and an intro to their website so uh, they've both worked really hard on it and it's going to be very good indeed so i, I really hope it's going to be uh, well received and uh, in fact just got a message from uh, uh, andy uh, and matt earlier but uh, unfortunately poor old uh, older andy is uh, not able to fly at the moment he's had an incident um on a child's scooter he says i was racing my <laughs> nine-year-old nephew around sunderland beachfront when the front wheel dug into a rut and i went over the handlebars um, carrying a lot of energy so he's uh, he's done his elbow in and uh, i think matt's not flying at the moment either due to some other medical things so the pair of them are um, watching lots of uh, jeremy kyle at home i, I presume at the, moment. So, I, I say, well, the good but, thing uh, is they finally have time that because one of the reasons why it's taken so long actually is because both of them have been so busy haven't they i mean obviously you know the airline that they fly for of course you've had um what i call like the, the full somerset schedule if you like is now sort of starting to come to an end as i say and so these guys have been so so busy and as i say they're 
they and us have been working on said project for for uh, you know a number of months now um so in some respects actually it's nice that they that both having a, a sort of forced rest because it means that finally uh, we're able to talk about this very very exciting project as i say but we won't go into too, too many details as nev said earlier because uh, we are actually going to have them on the show to tell us all about this amazing course that they've put together so uh, uh, it's going to be i think very very important for anyone who wants to fly an a320 basically yeah i was going to say on that note actually guys that you know i i, I listened to their show the a320 podcast and for those of you who may not have heard of the a320 podcast it's uh, it's on the itunes library and um it's 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 a really in-depth discussion each week on the inner workings of the a320 basically in fact in fact several times i've always referred to it I, I don't think i'm speaking out of turn here and i have said this to to the guys actually when we were doing this i said it's like the a320 podcast is literally like an audio haynes manual of the <laughs> yeah. a320 podcast mm, yeah the 320 aircraft it's uh you know if you love your engine tech and all that kind of thing it is the best podcast honestly the detail yeah. that they go into about these these class and all the various procedures that they have to go through and that i mean it really is if you are learning to fly and you're not listening uh to to their podcast especially if it's an a320 you're flying then you're mad you really do need to subscribe and listen Actually, to that. Actually, I've got to say on that note, if you, even if you're not a pilot, even if you're you know, just an aviation enthusiast, yeah. an av geek, listen to the show because it is incredibly interesting. I, I will say, you know, the subjects they talk about, um, you just you know, you just sit there and kick back and relax really for, for the entire show. But um, have you, have yeah, you I mean, had a chance to listen to it? It goes over my head, to be fair. I've listened to, to a few episodes and I just sit there going, because I, I really don't understand anything. Um, but uh, if you, you know, then it is fascinating to listen to. It's just, it, it's really, really good. But uh, as, yeah, I, as I say, guys are going to be coming on the show uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks uh, to, to talk more in detail essentially about uh, what, what, what we've been up to. I was going to say, Armando, have you listened to there? podcast yet uh yeah so before that congratulations to you guys to the three of you um for um that collaboration with the a320 guys um that's yeah, it's all know. matt and nev yeah. no nah, it's really it's really cool to see the the ptuk uh community grow and and the efforts that you guys are doing but yeah i actually uh also subscribe to the a320 podcast as i sort of transition in the next year from a military career into the airline industry and I'm going to take some time off, but the, uh, the my preferred airline flies a lot of Airbus uh, products there out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So uh, I listen to it actually just to kind of start filing stuff in the somewhere in the catacombs of my mind, and yeah. you know <laughs> that combined with with some technical reading and. And, uh, and these guys really know their stuff. That's that's the great thing. They really know their stuff there. And, and you know, there's uh, I, I'm sure there are things they don't know about the A320, but, uh, you know, they, they, they're going to have to be pretty minor things, I think, you know, like pretty like out there things if they don't know the answer to that question. They're really approachable, by the way, as well. So uh, if there is something that you're not sure about, then, you know, you can get the, you know, I think it's uh, their their info. It's all on their website, basically. You know, they, I have known them to sort of write personal replies to questions and stuff as well. So it, they, they really is a must listen. Yeah, I love their, their approach to the, uh, you know, pick a system, pick a chapter. Let's talk about yeah. it. That's uh that's uh, awesome. So I suppose we better really move on with the show. There we go. I'm just moving back to the camera there. I tell you, it's very in depth. This while Matt's <laughs> holding his glass of gin, uh, his glass of iced water. I would <laughs> say <laughs> he, he, he doesn't drink and present. 
Uh, no, 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 well, I thought that I thought that was compulsory, wasn't it? Hang on a minute. What's going on here? It's uh, now. I have to confess that I am currently enjoying a large. Uh, so it's a, is it is it a copper field? No, what is it? It's the Adnams copper. Oh, copper. Or yeah, the, the copper. Uh, well, I have to get the oh, name of the thing there. It's it's the Adnams gin anyway that's made on the east coast of the UK. Because uh, well, I, I mum went home in the car and left me with her scooter, so I'm riding the scooter back to the caravan site <laughs> when I've done that. So, uh, and we'll have some pictures of that. Matt riding no, the scooter coming on next week's show. And I left my camera at home. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on then. So we are going to uh, move on with uh, some military news. So if everyone's ready. Oh, born ready, mate. Armando. Ready to go. Nev. Ready for the grey. Let's go. <laughs> So the first... Oh, that cuts off a bit quick there, Matt. Bit of editing to do there, I think. So the first story on the Royal Air Force's website, Red Arrows to Light Up North American Skies on Landmark Tour. So Britain's elite Red Arrows are set to carry out their largest ever tour of North America as they paint the skies of the US and Canada red, white and blue. So the announcing the Royal Air Force's aerobatics team a historic nine-week program. Defence Secretary Gavin Williamson said the Red Arrows would display across America's reaching millions of people and showcasing the very best of British aviation. The Red Arrows' uh, return to the US will mark the first significant uh, tour of North America in a generation, with the team last touring the country in 1993. Wow, is that that long ago? And the start of the deployment next year will be the first display the uh, team has put on in the U.S. in the decade following the short visit by the Red Arrows to the east coast of the U.S. back in 20, uh, 2008, uh, as well as displaying a range of shows and events across Americas. The team will also attend engagements promoting the government's uh, great campaign, um, visiting local schools, meeting with businesses and leaders, and showcasing the very best of British culture. The tour is expected to generate £2.5 billion in direct foreign investment for the UK. The senior RAF officer responsible for the Arrows said that the deployment of the Red Arrows will demonstrate the global reach and capability of the Royal Air Force and continuing support of the United Kingdom's defence and culture industries. Together with the Great Britain campaign, Western Hawk 19 will showcase our excellent professionalism and proud heritage in education, engineering, technology and finance to all our allies. We are very much looking forward to our visit in August and September of 2019. The US program comes after the Red Arrow's successful 2016 tour of Asia-Pacific and the Middle East. The nine-week, 20,000-mile deployment visited six, uh, 17 countries and drew a global audience of uh, a billion people with a team displaying in China for the very first time. Come on in, Armando. Um, obviously, uh, you know, over in the US, that you'll be back there next year. I think you're going back for a... Or look around yeah the, uh... yeah no i love this i uh i think the thunderbirds put on a good show i think the blue angels put on a good show but uh the red arrows put on just a slightly different show um <laughs> and and i love it i love watching their show here in the uk and i think american audiences are going to uh love their the red arrows show plus it's uh you know i think that's the canadian snowbirds right that come down uh to a few of the big air shows in in the u.s but uh i think the red arrows are they're they're a great 
group. They're a, fl- a great uh, flying organization, and uh, I think American audiences are, are really going to take well to them. Nev, obviously, it's the best of British. It's uh, it's going to it's going to be good. Isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, looking forward to that. <clears throat> so uh, no, it'd be, be really good to see it. And uh, no, glad that um, Armando appreciated it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, the next story is uh, one for you on Flight Global. This one, indeed, yes, Flight Global is the website, and the headline is "US approves possible Chinook sale to the Royal Air Force." Oh, that's very this nice is of them. exciting. The UK's long-expected procurement of an additional Boeing CH-47 Chinook heavy lift helicopters has taken a final step forward with US approval granted for a possible 16-unit acquisition. Detailed in a Defence Security Cooperation Agency notification dated the 19th of October, the approval covers the potential sale of up to 16 Chinooks uh, in an extended range configuration. To be acquired by the US foreign military sale process, the DSCA values a deal at $3.5 billion. It also incorporates weapons, including the m 134 d t miniguns and 7.62 millimeter machine guns as well as training and support london has for several years indicated a requirement for additional examples of the tandem rototype to replace some of the oldest examples in the royal air force fleet which in many cases are approaching nearly 40 years old although not specifically identified in the dsca notice some of the additional equipment listed corresponds to that found on the mh 47g special forces variant. The RAF currently fields a fleet of 60 Chinooks with uh, 14, uh, with the 14 newest examples uh, designated as HC6 in UK service dating from tw- from a 2011 order 8 older. Long range models have been upgraded with new avionics to the HC5 standard. Earlier this year, Air Commander Al Smith uh, the uh, capability air maneuver at the UK's Joint Helicopter Command said the procurement of the new helicopters was an, at an early stage. In addition, he indicated that the UK would likely wait for delivery until the Block 2 variant of the Chinook uh, was available available in around about 2023. Well, I'd like to thanks, thank you, Armando, for uh, you know, allowing us to have some Chinooks. <laughs> so, that's, a, that's a workhorse, man. That airplane's been around for a long time. Yeah. And uh, those uh, those M one thirty four D miniguns. If you Google that, that's a that's a six barrel seven point six two millimeter uh, Gatling gun. Um, nope. I, I think it's got a couple <laughs> thousand rounds per minute, and uh, and I believe the seven point six two the additional seven point six two millimeter machine guns they're putting on the side are M two forties, which have been proven on MH fifty threes on MH sixties and. Uh, pretty much every helicopter out there so i think this thing is going to be a pretty powerful piece of machinery it's good news for us well i mean it is a pretty powerful piece of machinery at least we're getting some new kit here in the uk you know it'll go with our (laughs) new aircraft carry that we've finally you know finally got and stuff and and an aircraft to go on it as well so (laughs) nev appreciate nobody else is really going to care but just just for reference it was the adnams copperhouse gin oh copperhouse (laughs) oh good Absolutely. Everyone's evening is now complete. You can all rest. <laughs> so, Nev, another one on uh, Flight Global for you. 
Yes, we like the Flight Global website, don't we? Because uh, it's got a nice font, and I, I like reading it. Um, <laughs> it's nice to read, isn't it? It is, oh. yes. And the spacing's quite nice as well. Uh, but actually, seriously, this is all about the uh, Embraer KC390, uh, which has received its type certification from the Brazilian Aviation Authority. And uh, a ceremony was held at Brasilia Air Force Base to deliver the civil certificate of airworthiness to Embraer on the 23rd of October. It was delivered, uh, it was attended by uh, Brazilian President Michel Temer, as well as the country's Defence Minister and Lieutenant Brigadier General Niv uh, Nivaldo Rosato, its Air Force commander. At the certification of the KC-390, the largest and most complex aircraft developed throughout Embraer's history, expresses the high technological level achieved by the company. Uh, said Paolo Cesar de Souza e Silva, President and Chief Executive of Embraer. I would like to congratulate the teams that participated in the development of this program in partnership with the Brazilian Air Force. The aircraft is expected to reach final operational capability by the end of 2019 when it receives its military certification. Uh, Embraer has said that the first production aircraft will be delivered to the Brazilian Air Force in the first half of 2019. Flight Fleet's analyzer shows that the service has 28 firm orders. The first series production example of the KC-390 made its maiden flight on the 9th of October and that aircraft joined two other test aircraft. As of early November, these had logged 1,900 flight hours. The KC-390 is designed to perform missions such as cargo and troop transport, troop and cargo air delivery, aerial refueling, search and rescue and forest firefighting. Embraer is attempting to push the medium-sized twin turbine-powered transport aircraft into a military transport market dominated for decades by the Lockheed Martin C-130 by pitching what it claims to be the lowest life cycle cost in the market. Uh, there are 38 letters of intent from international customers, uh, including from Argentina, six from Chile, 12 from Colombia, two from the Czech Republic and six from Portugal. Embraer aims to make inroads into the US and international markets by leaning on an agreement that would have Boeing market and sell the transport. What's more, after establishing a joint venture with Boeing that gives the American aerospace manufacturer complete control over its commercial air, uh, aircraft unit, Embraer says it also plans to explore the establishment of a joint venture around the KC-390, according to a memorandum of understanding released this month by the company. The two companies are exploring the establishment of a manufacturing plant uh, for the KC-390 uh, in the uh, USA, according to a Brazilian newspaper. So that's uh, pretty good, and that's uh, a good to see they've got some uh, positive uh, um, orders on the way, hopefully. Yeah, I think I've taken all the uh, the military responses here. It's a, it's a great airplane. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at it, and it's uh, – so there's not a lot of airplanes out there. So so you've got the long into two C-130, which you know is still going strong. It's been 60 years or so with – the new J models coming online, but uh, you know the A four hundred. I think we were in Farnborough or Riyadh. Uh, I think they did the uh, displays at both of them. Amazing airplane, but uh, seeing this Embraer uh, KC three ninety, it's got uh, two Drogue style uh, refueling pods on the wings, as well as a ramp and door. I think that that ramp and door is is very important for anybody trying to get into this kind of uh, cargo military market, so they can both do 
airdrop as well as you know kind of land and onload and offload vehicles and and personnel so the casa 295 is out there that's a little bit smaller you can uh, the cargo compartment is is uh, kind of small so i think other than the a400 and the c130 the uh, getting this kc390 in there in the mix is going to be a uh, Probably pretty lucrative for Embraer. Do you think this is a much of a contender for the Hercules? Yeah, I think I think so. I think uh, I think it will be. It looks a little bit like the the Dodo jet, the Dornier jet. It's a Dornier three twenty eight or something like that. It looks just bigger than that. Mm. But uh, yeah. so jet engines have their own, um, you know, pros and cons when you're trying to do unproved airstrip type stuff. But uh, obviously the C seventeens and things like that have proven that you can. Mm. You can uh, overcome that. So I look forward to seeing uh, what it does. Yep. So the next story then, uh, Armando, is uh, is for you. This one is on the airforce-technology.com website. It is. It says uh, uh, USAF jets conclude dissimilar air combat training at RAF Lakenheath. Um, the U.S. Air Force's Liberty Wing has completed a dissimilar air combat training, uh, DACT, at RAF Lakenheath in the United Kingdom. Uh, during the training, a series of large force exercises were carried out with fifth-generation aircraft and joint service partners. Uh, the fifth-generation F-22 uh, Raptor stealth tactical fighter aircraft assigned to the first fighter wing from Langley, um, that's in Virginia, and the F-A-18 Super Hornets uh, combat jets assigned to Carrier Air Wing 1 participated in the USAF's DACT. Uh, we love our acronyms. Um, let's see, F-18 Hornets were uh, deployed from the U.S. Navy's uh, USS Harry S. Truman. They did some exercises here in East Anglia between 4th and 5th Gen fighters, um, and including refueling with the 100th Air, 100th Air Refueling Wing KC-135s out of RAF Mildenhall and the NATO E-3 Sentry. So this is uh, this is a uh, really important for us to do sorry for them to do uh, <laughs> uh dissimilar aircraft training especially between fourth and fifth gen fighters the it's important to get the communications the tactics the techniques down uh, really just and getting the navy in there with their f-18s i think was a good idea too so uh, i don't know where that aircraft carrier is in the world right now but um i i know they were working the uh the um, aviation enthusiasts site, so the, the ta- uh, plane spotters there at Lake and Heath and Mildenhall uh, had a great time, and they got some amazing pictures of these aircraft. Um, so very cool. Uh, again, it's just uh, about learning about each other, even sometimes within the the same service or the your sister service. So it's important to. I think we need need to uh, agree, uh, Nev, Matt, that we need to just have Armando as our military guy each week that's yeah, yeah absolutely amen yeah, <laughs> okay. nev, yeah resident nev. resident gray chap yeah i'm gonna vote for that yeah, uh, yeah. yeah i'll, I'll drink go. to that nev cheers i think pip and al are gonna vote me off the island here <laughs> yeah. no they won't yeah, no, we're, we're gonna have to add, add you to the, the team they don't have to talk about gray stuff that's, that's i'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll as go you over. take another sip right matt <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'll go yeah, over contracts um when we're off air with uh, with Armando and uh, okay. Russell, uh, I'm not sure yeah. we can afford his fees to be honest with you, Carlos. But <laughs> hey, it's worth a try. <laughs> so Nev, uh, what have we got coming up next? Oh yes, um, you know we do give Pip a bit of a hard time sometimes because he doesn't. You know, we ask him to send in a segment and all the rest of it, and sometimes it's a bit late. Sometimes it never turns up at all. <laughs> However, 
he has excelled himself on this occasion and i think it's a uh, really interesting segment that he's put together for us this week so let's take a listen plane safety from the flight deck with pilot pip good morning everybody from geneva in switzerland it's turning out to be a rather pleasant warm autumnal day here uh, not like yesterday, however, when I woke up in Tirana in Albania, which is uh, just opposite Greece in southern Europe. It was a decidedly chilly morning. A ground fog was just forming over the airport. Uh, a real chill in the air, and it got me thinking that those winter days are not so very far away at all, when we're going to have to start de-icing the aeroplane, getting rid of all that frost and ice and snow. So I need to get into the books a little bit and just revise our winter operations procedures. It's well worth going back and just having a look through those chapters. There's a lot of good information out there and it's easily forgotten as well, so it's important to refresh our memories. But waking up yesterday in Albania, in Tirana, it also reminded me of one of my first real emergencies that I ever had to deal with in an aircraft. One of those true brown trouser moments. And it must have been, gosh, it must have been at least 12 years ago now and many thousands of hours uh, back in the logbook. It was back in the days when I was flying the Beach 1900D, the Beechcraft 1900. Great little aeroplane. It's a 19-seat turboprop aircraft, quite similar to the Jetstream 32 series. Now, you don't see too many Beach 1900s in Europe. There's a company called Twinjet in France that has some. There's a, a few floating around in Portugal and one or two others dotted around but really you don't see them so much in Europe they're much more common over in the states where they're used as a, a regional commuter airliner now, the Beach 1900 is a, it's a funny little aeroplane I thought it was great uh, it was developed from the original 1900 C series which was a, a much smaller uh, it was basically a, a big King Air 350 but it didn't have a proper stand-up cabin which not many of those 19-seat turboprop aircraft do. So they developed the Beach 1900D, which was much bigger, a much fatter aircraft, and it had a proper stand-up cabin. Um, but I guess when they did that and they took it out to fly it, it didn't quite fly in a straight line. So they started adding bits to the wing and then adding little things to the tail. And they'd do this, and then it would fly that way, so they'd have to add something else to the other side. And eventually, I guess, they got it to fly in a straight line, but the result was a, a very odd-looking aircraft with lots of aerodynamic surfaces hanging off all over it. Now, I thought it was quite a good-looking aeroplane. I was obviously in the minority, because most people call it a bit of a pig. But anyway, that was um, my first multi-crew aircraft, and I used to fly it for... Well, we used to do AOG operations, which stands for Aircraft on Ground. So when an aircraft breaks... You know, they burst a tire or an engine falls off or something like that. Um, instead of having it sit on the ground there for a long time while they ship in parts and engineers, they might contact someone like us, an AOG support operator, who will fly in engineers and spare parts. So that's what I used to do in the Beach 1900, and it was a great, fun little operation. It used to be just, you know, two pilots, obviously, and a couple of engineers and some spare parts. So usually we'd just be flying around, nice simple operation, it was good fun. And on this particular occasion, we were down in Albania, in Tirana, with just the two of us and one engineer. And whatever the job was, it was completed, and we were departing to fly back to 
Well, I don't remember where it was, but it was certainly heading back towards mainland Europe. Now, the day in question was, well, rather like this one, actually. A nice, sunny, clear autumn day. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was a pleasant day. No big issues. We weren't expecting any drama. Uh, I was flying with my good friend, Victor. He was the captain. I was the first officer. Now, (laughs) I can tell you there is no end of fun flying with a captain called Victor. What's your vector, Victor? You know the old classic airplane line. That never, ever gets old. At least not as far as I'm concerned. Maybe for Victor it got pretty old pretty quick. But for me that was hours of endless fun. What's your vector, Victor? So there we were, chugging along. We had departed Tirana, uh, heading generally in a westerly, northwesterly direction up towards the coast of Italy. Now the Beach 1900 is not a particularly fast aeroplane. Uh, nor does it go particularly high. So if memory serves, we were just passing through probably about flight level 200, so 20,000 feet, uh, maybe 20, 25 minutes into the journey, just getting towards the top of climb. And we were chatting about this and that, I don't remember what, when all of a sudden the most pungent, acrid smell I've ever smelt in my life permeated through the cabin. And I remember saying to Victor, mid-sentence, hey, do you smell that? And he took a big breath, and it was, yes, of course, this smell, where's that coming from? And we turned around to look back down the cabin, only to see our colleague, the engineer, whose name, unfortunately, I've forgotten, to see him um, with a, he was obviously eating his lunch, he had a sandwich, he was kind of holding it up to his mouth in mid-bite, and we saw him disappear in a thick, thick fog of white smoke, filling the cabin and and very quickly rushing forwards towards the cockpit. Well, that's one to stop you in your tracks, I can tell you. Now, I must say, initially, because of this acrid, horrible smell, I thought this was an electrical burning, smoke from electrical burning. But, of course, right then and there, we didn't have time to diagnose the problem. I remember Victor saying to me, put your mask on, your oxygen mask, and I didn't need to be told twice, so I quickly... uh, put that thing on, took it out from its storage pouch. It was one of these inflatable types, I seem to remember, where you squeeze the trigger and air flows through the straps and you can just pop it over your head. Quick donning mask, very good piece of equipment. So we were probably only about 10 minutes out from the coast across the Adriatic. So um, I was pilot not flying, or pilot monitoring as we call it now. Victor was pilot flying and he immediately turned us back towards Tirana Airport. And I, at about the same time, put out a Mayday call, my first ever Mayday call. Maybe perhaps my voice was a little bit wobbly as I did so. Mayday, 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 whatever our call sign was, returning to the airfield, we have smoke in the cabin. Um, Now, if I hadn't made clear, at this point in my career, I was fairly green. This is my first, as I said earlier, my first multi-crew job in a kind of airline environment, if you like. All of my hours up until that point had been single pilots in mostly twin pistons doing aerial survey operations. So I was pretty wet behind the ears, pretty inexperienced. Probably had only, I don't know, 16, 1700 hours under my belt at that point. Now, the correct course of action, which we actually did do, would be to perform the memory items from the QRH. So that involves putting the oxygen mask on establishing communications, turning the uh, the microphone to the oxygen mask. I don't remember exactly for the Beach 1900 if the memory items also involved maybe opening the outflow valves to help get rid of the smoke. I don't recall. But I do remember being very much 
um, kind of a rabbit in the headlights almost, very startled by this completely unexpected event. You know, when we practice these things in The Sims, it's all very kind of surgical and methodical. You do your memory items, you get the QRH, the checklist out, and you, you start plowing through the checklist one item at a time, this back and forth communication. But as I recall, it was a little bit more slapdash than that in this real life incident. I don't recall that we ever actually physically got the QRH checklist out, although I'm pretty certain we covered most of the items in it just by sort of common sense working through, I suppose, getting the oxygen masks on, starting to uh, open the outflow valves, close engine bleeds, that sort of thing. And we must have done something right because certainly we did get the smoke to clear before we landed. But as I said earlier, I thought, in fact, I think we both thought that this was smoke coming from some kind of electrical burning. I thought we had an electrical fire just because of this really strong acrid smell but it was Victor actually who pointed out that the smoke in fact was coming from the ground level now the Beach 1900 has all the air conditioning outlets underneath the seat so it was obviously um, something coming through the environmental system but it certainly took us a few minutes to uh, realize that so anyhow, we continued at high speed back towards Tirana. I guess we were, had a tailwind going back because we actually got back there very, very quickly indeed. Uh, I remember talking to the engineer or shouting at the engineer, telling him that we couldn't give him the oxygen masks because he was obviously looking at us on oxygen masks and wondering why all he had to combat the smoke was, was, a, was a soggy, smoky sandwich. But obviously when you've got a, a cabin filled with smoke... Generally, the idea is you don't want to drop the oxygen mask because, A, you don't want to introduce pure oxygen into a potential fire. And also, if you give a passenger an oxygen mask, what's he going to do? Or she is going to grab that oxygen mask, put it over their mouth, and take in a great big lungful of air. But remember, those oxygen masks in the passenger cabin are diluted air. It's mixed with the cabin air. So all they're going to do is just breathe in more smoke. So best not to give them the oxygen mask. Uh, probably about the best thing you can do is get them to, if you've got one available, a, a damp cloth or a damp flannel, just put that over their nose and mouth and that will just help filter out the smoke. But of course, we didn't have one of those immediately to hand in the time available to us. Now, I do remember communication with ATC was a little bit difficult. You know, Albania, um, you know, it's not the centre of civilization, and <laughs> their English, although it was totally acceptable, within the norms of ATC communication, once you get outside um, those standard sort of phrases, climb, descent, etc., and you just start speaking plain English, then it gets a little more uh, difficult to fully converse. But anyway, they did a great job. We were cleared straight in. Uh, Tirana, of course, is not a particularly busy international airport. I seem to remember there was one aircraft ahead of us. Uh, anyway, we were cleared in, and I do remember, actually, Again, remember, I was pretty inexperienced. I do remember looking up from whatever I was doing and just trying to work out where the hell we were because I kind of lost all situational awareness in a navigational sense, at least. I remember saying to Victor, hey, do you know where the airport is? And much to his credit, because he's a much better pirate than I am, he said, yeah, it's over there. So that was fine, but um, that was kind of interesting. So there we go, we were cleared in. Um, as I say, the smoke did actually clear before we landed. So we landed with a clear cabin, and we were met, of course, by all the 
fire engines with the lights and the sirens and everything else and escorted up to a a stand on the north side of the airfield. Uh, but that was very much the emergency over. We, of course, phoned into the company. The aircraft obviously was grounded from that point until they could uh, get someone out to have a look at it. And actually, as a little side note, we never did find out where the smoke came from. Um, we guessed it was probably just a bit of plastic or a bit of uh, lining somewhere within the air conditioning system had fallen onto some hot part of the uh, of the aircraft and was just slowly melting away. But it never reoccurred. The, the crew who took it out of Tirana a week or so later didn't report any problems. The only thing left to do at that point was to, well, according to our procedures and our ops manuals, when we've been involved in a smoke incident, we're meant to go to hospital to have a blood test to see if, uh, you know, if everything's okay, if you've breathed in any poisonous substances. But, and no offence to any Albanians out there, we didn't much fancy going to a, a hospital in uh, Albania. I, you know, maybe I got the wrong impression here, but our feeling was that probably wasn't the, you know, first world healthcare out there. So we didn't fancy going and getting stabbed with a, a needle. Uh, but what we did do, however, is phone up our third party medical provider, Medair, in our case. This is a service available to a lot of airlines, if you've got an in-flight medical emergency, you can phone them up and you get put through to a doctor and they'll give you some advice there and then. So we, we thought, right, well, rather than go to hospital, we'll just have a chat with a doctor, someone we can trust. Uh, so we phoned up and I remember it took an inordinate amount of time on the phone with a sort of an admin nurse before we got through to a doctor. She wanted all of our names, our dates of birth, our addresses, what our favourite colour is etc etc all kinds of weird information that didn't seem particularly relevant and after 20 25 minutes or so we eventually got through to a doctor who said do you feel okay and we said yes and he said um have you been breathing fresh air for the last half an hour or so and we said yes and he said all right well you're fine off you go then so i was kind of left scratching my head a little bit there uh, i wouldn't like to go through that with a genuine in-flight medical emergency having to get through all that ridiculous information before you can actually speak to a doctor but it was very useful to to use the service uh, you know in a real life incident but it did make me think later on as we kind of sat back and and ran through everything in our heads that maybe it wasn't the best handled emergency uh, whilst we certainly probably went through all the correct steps you know it's not how we would practice it in the sim these days or how I would expect to handle an emergency this day it was very much kind of handled off the cuff, a little bit unstructured. Um, so there we go. That's just a, a, a learning experience in the life of a pilot. And, you know, since then, there have been a few other brown trouser moments, a few emergencies, some engine failures, that kind of thing, which have been handled, at least personally, on a much more, should we say, professional way. But you know what they say? You've got to fill your bucket of experience before you empty your bucket of luck. Okay, catch up with you all some other time. Until then, fly safe. Food pearls of food of food for thought there, I think, from uh, Pip today. Well done, Pip. Thank you for that. I was a bit worried where he was going with that for a minute. <laughs> His pearls of wisdom at the end there, I was a bit frightened. I'm not going to lie. I was going to say, with all the talk of, uh, of uh, oxygen masks and stuff, 
Yeah, absolutely. No, no, it's, uh, it's a fascinating tale, actually. So uh, you sort of you f- sort of forget that all these wonderful pilots that we've been very lucky to get to know, like Pip and you know, obviously Captain Nick, etc. You sort of forget, obviously, that they were rookies themselves. Uh, you know, once it's um, it's sort of uh, it's it's interesting listening. Thanks for that, Pip. It was great. Yeah, we've very much enjoyed that, and I'm sure Pip will have uh, another segment. Um, into us soon he's in the chat right? if we're very lucky we might get another one before the end of the year you never know oi don't push your luck too much <laughs> so, I say sorry the, Pip the, the chat room has been uh, very busy since we've um, been you know, having a Pip segment play there's uh, quite a lot of chat between the APG crew I did notice in there <laughs> as you do <laughs> yes hello Dr Steph hello Captain Nick Hello, Captain Jeff. And Evan Shu is in the uh, chat room now as well, so hello. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Australia is waking up. Or is it New Zealand? No, hang on. Apparently it's a place to be on a Friday night. Well, obviously, goes without saying. (laughs) So uh, we're going to start to bring the show to a close now. So uh, thank you very much again to uh, to Pip for sending that in. And uh, don't forget, we're going to give you some social media links now. So where can people go and find uh, various things about T-shirts and stuff? Uh, indeed, yes. So if you want to buy yourself a T-shirt, and as I say, there I keep promising and there will be very soon mugs available as well. You take yourself to www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, on that website, not only can you buy things like T-shirts, you can find all the information you could ever possibly want to know about our wonderful crew and also uh, how you get in touch with the show. So you can either fill in the form in our on our Contact Us page or you can write to us if you've got feedback that you'd like to send us, even if... If it's uh, negative, we don't mind. We like to, as I say, we're making this show for you guys, so we're always happy to uh, take uh, uh, criticism uh, by whatever means, and you can do that by writing to us on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. On social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, just search for Plain Talking UK, all as one word. That's Plain Talking UK, all as one word. And don't forget, if you download the show through iTunes, which I'm sure many of you do, including me, because I download the show through iTunes. I don't know why. It's our own show, but there we go. That's just me. (laughs) Don't forget to, uh, if you get a chance, leave us a little uh, review on iTunes, because that's very, very good to do. And also, not forgetting as well, everyone who downloads the show through all the other various means, Stitcher and uh, Podbean, and there's, there's loads of there is actually Matt. When you look on the Play Store, there's actually quite a lot of uh, you know podcast downloading type apps. Have you had a chance? Uh, yes, there is. There's like Stitcher. You've I got see, yeah. um, oh, what's the other one? There's uh, uh, Audio. Is it something like Audio Bully or something like that? There's lo- as I say, there's loads of bits and pieces there. It doesn't have to be iTunes. You can use uh, any decent. Basically, uh, you'll find us also in Spotify. Uh, you can find us on. Um, uh, tune in, as I say. So basically, wherever wherever popular podcasts are popular, you will find us lurking uh, in the in the cupboard there somewhere. What's your preferred uh, download choice? Uh, I just use uh, Apple, yeah. just Apple Podcast app. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Never. I presume you're the same. Are you? Are you an iTunes man? Sorry, is there anything else? I didn't know realize there's another platform. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is that. Yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, Indeed. Oh, I better not show you the uh, the picture that Matty Caton sent me earlier this week of uh, of a of an Apple type thing. But uh, anyway, I'll bring it up next week. Our t shirt uh, chap. Yeah, that was quite amusing. I'll have to send that in the group chat so you can have a look. 
Oh, right. Okay. okay. I look forward to that with uh, no excitement whatsoever. Uh, anyway, just I need to wrap up, of, guys, because uh, I'm supposed quick, to have connect. left my conference room oh, oh, eight oh, minutes oh, ago. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold the phone. Hold the press. Hold the press. Because we make have a couple got of a very important announcement yeah, from yes. Nev. So, Nev, um, far away. I shan't be on the show next week because Normal. I will be in Gibraltar. Um, and I'm taking on my video gear because... Uh, those very nice people at the RAF and Nats have agreed that I can interview the tower controller at Gibraltar oh. Airport. So I should be doing that uh, next week. And we've got another very interesting grey segment coming up. Uh, it was, in fact, it's so important we felt we couldn't do it ourselves. So we've actually subcontracted that interview to our good friend Captain Nick, and we'll be bringing that to you uh, later in November. We just had that all confirmed today, actually. Yeah. So uh, yeah. really looking forward to doing that. And um, it's going to be a biggie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I I won't be able to join next week either, Matt. So I, I don't know whether we're going to move the uh, show time to a different day next week. Oh right, okay. Well, we'll have a little chat about that afterwards, <laughs> then, shall we, children? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not doing it on my own. Armando, what are you doing next week? <laughs> I'll, uh, I think I got a thing. No, I'll look at my oh. schedule. He's, he's doing his hair. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, oh. it, it, it is much maintenance required, no doubt. Uh, yes. So we'll have a chat. So basically, if uh, if you are wanting to catch the live show, then f make sure you're following our social media. We'll tweet Facebook, as soon Twitter. as we know as to when yeah. uh, the live show will be next week. But uh, there will still be a show. Uh, just don't quite know what, where, or when by the sound of it. So uh, yeah, time to go. I think, guys. Hello. So we're going to wrap up episode number two hundred and forty of the show. Big thanks again to everyone who's joined us in YouTube. Thanks to all the family and youtube have a great weekend whatever you're doing don't forget your sunday roast dinners because i'm looking forward to mine this weekend so from me carlos here and armando in the ptuk studio it's a big goodbye Bye, uh, <laughs> and from me here in west runton uh thank you to all our wonderful people who listen to and download our podcast because obviously that is where our majority audience is and it wouldn't be the same without you as i say do please feel free to join in with your your comments as i say by emailing podcast at plaintalkinguk.com yes yeah, so from uh, a very wet and windy west runton uh, it's goodbye from me and from mr neville bounds Yes, have a good weekend, everybody. Great to see everybody again in the chat room, and thank you for your participation. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Goodbye. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Bye.